Today is May 15th. The Week 17 schedule has been released, and we say goodbye to the days of Galaxy Braining divisional matchups. Today, we are joined by a man who won $2 million by leveraging Week 17 correlation and the author of the original Week 17 article back in 2021. As the foremost experts on the space, we'll talk through our favorite ways to attack Week 17 and other ADP movement. This is ADP Chasing. Clearly uh, doing a great job hosting. I uh, hit the hit the outro music instead of intro, but uh, uh, <laughs> and a little early. Yeah, a little, little, little early. Uh, people are already triggered by week seventeen. We had to end the show immediately. Uh, but anyways, <laughs> uh, That'd be a good actually, Pat uh, Davis. What happened yeah. to Davis here? Yeah, doing oh, a great they job kicked hosting. Me out. Yeah, um, fellas, how are we doing? How was how was your weekend? Doing good. A lot of drafting. Nice, nice weather here. A lot, a lot of, of drafting. I did a lot of puppies yeah. last night. A lot of puppies. I did a I did a five mile walk with my dog and got five puppies knocked out while Ooh. I did it. So how many puppies? We're, so we're, it's, wow. It is ninety seven percent filled. The puppy. Yeah, it's gonna fill today. I'm tempted to do one right now. I gotta say. What is your guys' optimal like uh, multi table number uh, for for Three. these drafts? Three. If I'm a hundred percent locked in. I can do seven. Optimal is probably five and three. <laughs> three is the perfect number of you don't need to be scrambling around. I, I'm not, I um, I'm not, I'm not like a hundred percent locked in, in terms of like bye weeks and week 17 and everything yet. So I would not be doing seven at a time right now, but in a month I'll be able to do seven at a time. I, I, I don't schedule. think I can get past four without starting to make mistakes yeah for me it's just without the week 17 and playoff schedule stuff i could do like six and be okay but now once you add that element in that's where i like i'm, I'm just going to be so shitty at correlating for week 17 if i have to multi-table table that many yeah. i think sam um, you've got uh like an eye patch thing going here with the with the banner up top can we remove yeah that or? yeah i can i can Part remove it, it. um yeah, yeah. Um, but anyways, um, yeah, the week 17 stuff is out. Um, there's obviously a ton I, of bye weeks are probably the biggest difference. Although, yeah, uh, you're not in I, the I, underdog system they're not, yet. they're not in the underdog and like, look, I, you know, I love gambling, but I'm not going to memorize every team's bye weeks for the four days that the bye weeks are not available. So I, I maybe unknowingly have drafted dead teams, you know, <laughs> in the yeah. last five days or whatever so hope not i i was drafting the other day with the bye weeks up but mostly just to make sure my quarterbacks weren't the same i do think if you're I, someone had a thread recently that was basically like look don't draft two quarterbacks in the same bye week." yeah i think it was, it was like, neil neil farley it was maybe neil, yeah it was yeah. Neil, yeah it i think his point and to, to paraphrase it quickly is 
oftentimes the difference between second and third place is like 10 to 20 points. And that's oftentimes what you're sacrificing when you take two quarterbacks for the same bye week. So I think it is one of those things where it's like a micro edge and it's not going to kill every single team if you do it. But like, unless your stacks just line up so perfectly that it makes sense to do it, um, I'm avoiding it. Um, the one spot that I was really trying to make sure I wasn't doing it in is I was, I took Hertz and then I pulled up the bye week. So I was like, okay, like if I'm taking Hertz, my backup quarterback is really just to help me advance just to like, yeah. you know, fill in a couple weeks and or to give you week. a weird team in week 17. Yeah. Right. But that's the odds of that aren't great. So, and I was, I was punting quarterback too. I wanted to get someone in like the 14th round or later. You know, if you take like two or something, it's maybe a different story. But um, anyway, Stafford has the same bye week as Hurts. So I was just like, okay, I can't do Stafford. I have to build this team with, with a different kind of late quarterback too. But I think yeah. maybe if you have like two, like if I was to have um, like Herbert and someone in like the nine through 10 range, maybe I would care like slightly less. Okay, let I'm... me let me sell you. Let me sell you on a combinatorial Galaxy brand. Right, let's do it. Stacking two teams that have the same bye week and then taking a third quarterback is going to ensure super unique combinatorial ownership because other people are not doing that. So say you take a quarterback, a wide receiver, and a tight end from a team with a week eight bye, and then you take another quarterback, wide receiver, and tight end from a team with a week eight bye. You accept that in week eight you're taking a zero at tight end, but you add a third quarterback, a Baker, a Ritter, whoever, right? Will Levis. Mac Jones. Mac, Mac Jones is going to be starting in week eight. Sure, sure. So if and when you get these teams to the playoffs, if that team advance, you know, say quarterback A with the week eight bye week has a bad week 16 game, and he's the really high advance rate player, but your quarterback B with the week eight bye goes off for 28 and throws two touchdowns to the guys you stacked them with, then all of a sudden you have quarterback A in the final with like a mega low advance rate. Yeah. I think that's interesting. And like the, the week or the, sorry, the round 18 quarterback thing in general is kind of interesting. Cause I think a lot of people get really caught up in the two versus three quarterback thing. And say you take Hertz and pick it, and then you're staring at round 18, you know, Mac Jones, a lot of people say that's, that's stupid. You should never do that. And I, and I kind of get their point. Like I'm largely going to quarterback if I take an elite one, but when you get into round 18, man, it's like, you're staring at just guys that are going to just be dead roster spots at running back and wide receiver and getting a starting quarterback, I don't think is like the worst way to spend your round 18 pick. Like, and back to the draft capital point that, you know, Leone's talked about, Pat, you've talked about that round 18 pick is worth like what $1 in your auction drafts or something. Like, I don't think it's meaningfully changing your draft capital allocation. If you toss on round 18, Mac Jones. And I did this with Mariota last year and like, People say it's bad or whatever, but I advanced two teams to the finals and one of them would not have made the finals if I didn't get Mariona's Mariota's round 18 regular season points. So mm. it's like, I don't know. It, it's like, I, I get the downside of it. There's obviously guys in round 18 that can give you more upside than some of these quarterbacks, but it's just like so, guaranteed points in some sense. Um, yeah, I think the, I think it's fine if you're playing to advance the team. Like that's to me, that's what a round 18 quarterback is most likely going to be good for. I agree that your chances of hitting on your 18th round pick are very low, but like 
there's decent odds that someone in the 18th round range yeah. is is going to put up a really good score in week 15 or 16 or 17. And therefore, because of how impactful that is to just get points out of that spot, your advance rate for that player is going to be pretty massive. And so I think like skipping on that lotto ticket, there's like more opportunity cost than it might seem because you're basically saying, I'm definitely not going to have the guy who powers teams through the single week elimination weeks. Now, if you get a guy who helps you advance there in the first place, that's that's a fair trade-off. But the yeah. odds that it's a quarterback who is one of those dudes, it's not zero. I mean, Jared Goff went off as a late round guy last year. Um, so it can happen, but I think your chances are better at, trying to find like a, a wide receiver Gino, back. Gino last year. Yeah. Gino would have been, Gino, Gino yeah. would have been great. So Corrine, this is where I would say, you know, it's again, it's a matter of what you're doing. Cause we're talking about advance rate versus banking, but you know, then you're, you're doing the mental gymnastics of, well, yeah, sure. So let's say you take league winner X in round 18, you still kind of need him to score a lot of points in week 17 right to kind of justify versus because if we're talking advance rate mac jones is is likely going to have a better advance rate or a similar advance rate in this scenario that we're talking about as league winner x in round 18 right uh maybe isn't it, isn't it kind of functioning the same way maybe but like getting you i guess what i'm saying is mac jones might help you advance to the playoffs but his playoff performance is unlikely to be anything significant. Like even if Mac Jones has a good week in the playoffs, quarterbacks don't separate from other quarterbacks as well as the other positions. So like Mac Jones could have 25 for you and your other quarterback has 23 and it doesn't have a meaningful sure. impact on your chances of getting through the I mean, the, the, the same thing is kind of true with your wide receiver eight versus if you have a team that's good enough to advance to week 16 or whatever, you're, you probably have three other high point scores at wide receiver too right probably but i mean it's a more volatile position and if you get a guy i mean you have to fill a flex as well and if so it's basically just yeah. one of these things of like is there a guy in the 18th round range who scores 25 points in week 16 week 15 16 or 17 probably yes so don't i and if you hit and you could really benefit if you hit on that guy you, you so, know this is kind of a, a mental trick that we play in ourselves with best ball too, because a lot of the guys that we conceive of as league winners, guys who were free, who scored a lot of points are largely not drafted in these contests. We would think mm. about guys like Elijah Mitchell, right? He was not drafted the year he broke out. He, he was, not, I, yeah. I want to say maybe he was drafted in like 15 total leagues. And then everyone remembers the quarter Patterson year, right? Cordell Patterson, the year he he totally was 18th round pick and blew up, he was on less than 10% of teams taken in best ball mania. Like it the yeah. the guys we think are 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 fantasy relevant at the end of drafts, round 17, round 18. Um, a lot of those guys are guys who end up uh getting cut in the main event or whatever. So it is I, I think those picks are a little not to say obviously that. If you had just taken Corderell Patterson 150 times, like you, you would have supercharged your advance rate. You would have given yourself a great chance to win uh, the stupid million dollars or whatever. But also the uh, the cost of of going all in on one of those guys and getting it wrong too is also catastrophic. It's, for it is opinion. catastrophic. Yeah, you don't want to do yeah. that. Yeah. So it's just it's one of yeah. those things where I think we're so far away from 
understanding what is GTO that I don't hate the round 18 quarterback because round 18 quarterback starts 17 games. It's probably going to add points to your roster. It's probably going to help your advance rate and it gets you live in yeah. week 17 I, in a unique way. And I think you should still like be conscious of what I use the Jalen Hurts example, maybe as an extreme, like that's not really probably when I'm adding the 18th round quarterback to my roster. It's, it's maybe more like you take Deshaun Watson in round eight and you know, uh, Daniel Jones in round 11. And then you stacked up Tyquan Thornton and Juju. And then you're staring at Mac Jones round 18 versus like wide receiver, like 80 off the board. At that point, I'm like, okay, you know what? I think it's still a fine draft capital allocation to spend another quarterback here. Maybe Max Jones doesn't give me the ceiling week that helps me win week 17. I think that's possible, but like Pat said, it's unlikely. But maybe, you know, one of my other quarterbacks is banged up in week 15 and Mac Jones just gets me like 24 points and helps me get through. So right. th- that that's where like I'm okay with it. And I think people, again, think of draft capital in terms of auction dollars. I don't think tacking on that third QB with your 18th round pick is really like over spending on quarterback as much as other people do. Again, like, like Pat said, I definitely see the points around. You don't want to do that every time. And like, there are running backs and wide receivers there that separate that I certainly want stabs at. But like, I think I may be a little bit more inclined to do it than the average drafter. Um, My, my thinking on, so someone uh, in the chat was saying, I'm now turning my, yeah, Chipsy Lark saying I was turning my back on uh, three quarterback builds. I would say, so if you're going to do the 18th round quarterback, this is probably the time to do it because we are going to draft more dead roster spots this time of year. 100% agree rounds. with this yeah. point too. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that, so I don't want to push back on it too hard. I would say though, like my philosophy on three quarterbacks last year was if I'm going to do it, I'd, really prefer to do it with three guys that I think do have upside. And that historically has been more like, you know, in the, you want to be drafting your third quarterback still before like round 14. I drafted Daniel Jones in round 14. I think there's plenty of guys like Matt, Matt Stafford, you can get in round 14. I think he has like weekly upside where you're drafting a guy who's going to help you advance, but also has like a realistic shot as a pocket passer, probably of, blowing up in an important week for you and so i don't i actually think if you're going to spend the three prioritize the third a little bit and don't just make it your last round pick because in that like Mariota is someone that i was avoiding like the plague last year because i was like he's getting benched so his Mm -hmm. chances of adding to me in the playoffs are are very very low um that's just and i don't want to i don't want to take any of the job security guys Um, yeah that's fair you know, I, I want I want as many live roster spots for the playoffs as I can get. Can we just figure out who the fuck Ryan Tannehill is playing for in week 17? This is this is not only plaguing me in best ball, but it's also plaguing me in dynasty because I made a couple deals to trade for Ryan Tannehill. But like I, I'm me. starting <laughs> I'm starting to get I did it in another league too. I'm nice. I'm starting to I'm starting to get worried that he's not gonna be an Atlanta Falcon and is just simply gonna be holding a clipboard while Will Levis, uh, you know, just is like making mistake after mistake. I think the only, I think the the primary thing that would keep Will Levis from throwing three interceptions per game while Tannehill looks on disgusted from the bench is that the division is so weak that I think it would be hard for them to just write the season off in week eight. And Well, Kevin Cole just did uh, a breakdown of their schedule, and apparently it's much harder to begin the year and so they could be like, I think it's through the mm. first six games. It's really difficult. 
and then it lightens up a lot. So his thinking was they're going to be like two and four. They bench Tannehill, and then Levis actually has a chance to look okay. They got to win. The, the, the most mandatory game for them to win is going to be this week five game against the Colts. If they lose that game, it's just going to be Levis time. Oh, God. Because yeah, it'll be it'll be if if they lose that game against the Colts, it'll be Tannehill will be gone. So let me let me throw out another idea here with the 18th round pick because I've been thinking through the same thing of like, all right, you know, we're gonna have uh, issues finding these league winners. By the way, though, I did just pull up last year's semifinals advance rates. Zay Jones, eight point one percent, is the highest player. Jarek McKinnon was second highest at six point three. Not all to say players like, you're gonna be able to drafted in of all players of all players drafted of the of everybody those two oh, players oh, are the oh, highest oh, semifinals. Got it. So that that does highlight the value of finding a skill position player who scores a lot of points. Later it is on massively valuable. It's massive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I yeah. I don't disagree. I don't disagree that it's massive. The part where I would disagree on one on spe- specifically on May fifteenth is our ability to identify. Yes. May fifteenth last year, people were not drafting Zay Jones. Maybe they were drafting McKinnon. But definitely not Zay Jones. They were drafting yeah. McKinnon, I think. But the- people might have been drafting Zay Jones. But I, I think, I, yeah, I think we agreed that, like, I think by August we're gonna feel a lot better around about sure. these late round picks, just because we know, okay, who won the RB two camp battle for the Cowboys? Okay, it's Ronald Jones and not Deuce. Vaughn. Like people are wasting picks on running backs and wide receivers right now that are that are gonna get Jalen Tolberted by you know August. One hundred percent. Like, yeah, that, that, that that's right. the thing. That's the thing. Yeah. Old, so. old enough to remember Jalen Tolbert being like an eleventh round pick on Underdog.com. <laughs> well, yeah. So the the other thing I want to float is like, what about a third tight end? Yeah, you know, those- I, this is I this is my preferred way to build. I I prefer having third tight ends to a third quarterback. One because in a perfect world where you actually hit on multiples of them, uh, they're available to put points in your flex. And even elite tight ends have bad weeks, right? Even right. Mark Andrews. A lot Mark of Andrews get Mark Andrews gonna have four point weeks. George Kittle's gonna have four point weeks. Kyle Pitts might not top four points all season. So there, like, there are gonna be a lot of weeks, not a lot of weeks, but there are gonna be some weeks where Hunter Henry easily makes your lineup, like makes your lineup and it's not close. You know what I and, mean? Yeah. And the thing that's really interesting too is I think in the current draft landscape, there reaches a point where like the tight ends just from a base projection, I think project way better in terms of points than the wide receivers do. Like you're looking at, I don't know, um, Hunter Henry versus fucking like Charlie Jones and Russell Gage. Like right, you're looking right. at uh, Luke Musgrave versus Allen Robinson, Jelani Woods versus Richie James and Cedric Tillman. I, I don't know. It, it, and even Tillman, like I kind of early- like. But yeah, I, that might be. Tillman is a good 18th round pick. I yeah. Think. Yeah. It, it, either like, I think it just reaches because of how much the water seat, like Titans are actually a little cheaper this year. Uh, at least. Yeah. They're on, cheaper they are. overall. Yeah. And w- wide receivers are getting pushed up. So I think like, I don't know, you're, you're drafting slot only wide receivers for starting tight ends at a certain point, like Gerald Everett versus Wandale Robinson. Like, I don't know. Gerald Everett. Oh, wa- put up- Wandale. Easy, baby. No, he's got that, do- he's, he's got that dog in him, Sam. Uh the yeah, Giants' third slot receiver or uh, starting <laughs> tight end for Justin Herbert? Yeah. Um, uh, so, anyways, no, that's I, interesting. Tyler Conklin is a starting tight end. He's got yeah. an ADP of 196. Trey McBride is a starter for, you know, probably. Conklin, Conklin is only starting for as long as he will talk about the Twin Towers with Aaron Rodgers. The second, 
the second he gets bored of that shit, you know, we're talking like they're gonna bring. Isn't Mercedes Lewis on on the Jets? Is that a bit? I that was that was put out as a bit so much over the offseason that I don't even know if it's true or not. Uh, Tyler Conklin has a a very long beard and a man bun. I think he's gonna get along just fine with Aaron Rodgers. Okay. Mar- Mercedes Lewis Mercedes Lewis is a free agent. I would bet at even money he is on the Jets roster at some point. I'm going to go deep through uh, CJ CJ Ozoma's likes on Twitter and see what, see he's, what kind he's of He's 38. He's do. Mercedes Lewis is 38 years old. So he's the same age as Rodgers. Wow. All right, anyways, let's let's uh let's let's get the show on track a little bit. Uh should have done this up top, but uh we are going to be doing ADB chasing on Mondays for the rest of the off season. Uh, I know the schedule has been kind of all or up in there the past couple weeks, but we're going to do this, try to lock in this time Mondays at noon Eastern time throughout the whole off season. We'll be joining you guys and yeah, let's kick off with what we normally do going through ADPs. Uh, I took a look at week 17 matchups um, to see how essentially are I, I kind of want to answer the question are week 17 matchups driving ADP movement and what this chart is showing right here I took the top five players from each so say look at Kansas City and Cincinnati which shows up as the most expensive game stack I took the top top five players by ADP for Kansas City the top five for Cincinnati average their ADPs um, and that's what's shown on this chart here on the gray bars. So you can see Kansas City and Cincinnati is the most expensive game stack uh, to stack up for week 17. Obviously, uh, the cheapest you see teams like Tennessee versus Houston, New Orleans, Tampa Bay, etc. So I thought this was kind of a interesting way to look at it if you're trying to optimize for week 17. What kind of prices are you playing? Are you paying uh, on these different? games so um yeah i think what i'll point out first is kansas city cincinnati that does seem to be the one that is getting steamed up there's not huge adp changes across any of these games but the biggest riser is kansas city and cincinnati uh is up about one spot on average across the top five players in each of those teams so that kind of makes sense to me there's a lot of sort of secondary tertiary pieces in those offenses that are are easy to grab and once you start that game stack it kind of makes sense that drafters are just scooping them up um the other thing about that one is if you have like jalen hurts you know you're like well shit maybe i'll take you know rasheed rice irv smith you know and marcus valdez scantling and yep. just like get that game in too. Like I've done that, you know, and it's like, okay, well, Mahomes and Burrow had big games. I have Jalen Hurts or whatever. Like I'm fine. I'm gonna be fine. Um, so I've done I've done stuff like that. I just it's like hard. You're not like alone as a Burrow or Mahomes drafter no. when you get into that range of the draft. Like everyone's like, ooh, Rasheed Rice, that that could be fun in like the twelfth round or whatever. Yep. Yeah. I agree. That's interesting. What's also interesting here that I'll point out and so the purple bar or the purple lines in this chart are the average ADP of the expensive team. And the red bar is the average ADP of the cheap team in the game stack. So you look at two examples here, uh, Arizona versus Philadelphia. Everyone is obviously all in on Philadelphia's offense, but people are sticking far away from Arizona with Kyler's injury. That's kind of an interesting one where I think uh, you can get a lot of Arizona's pieces if you want. Kyler, them. Kyler, three quarterback teams. Hollywood Brown, mm. wide receiver 37, Trey McBride, wide rec- or tight end 27, 
Uh, and then Kyler comes Rondale. back like week. Kyler comes back. Yeah, one. I think Rondell's wide receiver 74. Kyler comes back in week nine, and you have two other quarterbacks. You know, let's say you took Justin Herbert and Mac Jones just to keep your head above water. And then all of a sudden you have this supercharged Arizona team. I it's pretty, it's pretty interesting. That one's interesting. Yeah. What do you Does think Kyler is, play, though? Is it too thin to do like a quarterback with a late bye week and Kyler? Or are you just are you burning your advance rates too much? Because I like the idea, like if you're taking a second, or you know, if you're we talked about the three quarterback build, you do still want ceiling out of that third quarterback. And Kyler definitely does fit that. Um unfortunately, he has a week 14 buy, which is which really sucks. You're also yeah. losing that week from him as well. Um I think honestly, back to our conversation at the top, the week 18 quarterback pairs really well with Kyler, just in the sense of getting a guy who's going to give you points in the regular season. I, right. I get I get that it's maybe not perfect for the playoffs, but if Mac Jones is going to be valuable for your roster, it's probably on a team like where you have Kyler Murray, maybe where you have a rookie quarterback that's struggling early in the year. I, I kind of see that. I think it is tough. If you're going two quarterbacks with Kyler, I think it's got to be one of the elite guys, right? Like it's probably got to be one of the top five guys. Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen and Justin Fields uh, all have week 13 buys. Um, Seems doable. Yeah. So you're at least not getting their bye week until Kyler's back. If he's not back, you shouldn't have taken him and you might be sunk. But then he's got a week 14 buy. So that, uh, those guys, those two guys, or three guys, I guess, Lamar, Allen, and Fields would be like the dudes I'd be most interested in, in pairing, mm-hmm. I suppose. Yeah. The other one I'll throw out and then interested what, what you guys think, but I think the Josh Allen stuff is a lot more interesting when you don't consider his price in a vacuum, but consider A, not like who he plays in week 17, and B, the number of like secondary tertiary pass catchers you can get on the Bills it's for it's fairly it's cheap. Bad. Allen and Mahomes are the same deal this year where you can take them. Let's say, let's say the Diggs yeah. drafter passes on Allen or the Kelsey drafter passes on Mahomes for whatever reason. And you randomly get like a really good price on them. You can be like, all right, well, I'm going to fill this out rounds 10 through 18. Like you don't, you, you could take Dawson Knox really late. You can take MBS really late. You can take Deontay Hardy with your last pick, Richie James with your last pick. Like there are a lot of different ways to do that. I think in, ways where you would not have felt confident about that with with Josh Allen last year. Yeah, because you don't have Gabe, yeah. you know, Gabe Davis in the third round. Now he's in the seventh. You know, even it's Dalton easy, Kincaid yeah. is James think, Cook cheaper. you can do too. Yeah, I think Kincaid is cheaper than Knox was last year even. So it, it's uh, – and then you look at the Patriots and you can get – you know, say what you want about Juju. Maybe you don't like Juju, but pick your Pats pass catcher. Pick one of their tight ends. I, I like Hunter Henry. I like Tyquan Thornton. Like there's some interesting bringbacks you can get for absolutely dirt cheap on the Patriots that I think project pretty well given their cost. So um, I've taken Juju, which means he's not egregiously priced. If I'm, if I'm taking him, I think he's total dust. But yeah, yeah, especially like wide receiver dries up, you know. And if you've taken an elite quarterback, that's you didn't have a second round wide receiver pick, so. You might be a little thinner at wide receiver. I've taken Juju. I think it's like my wide receiver five, where I was like, this is gross, but I kind of got locked out. I could probably need, I could probably use the points early on in the season. And then I'm going to keep, you know, I'm going to prioritize wide receiver for the rest of the draft a little bit more than I would have 
but yeah, I mean, he could, he's, so it's like, he's probably not like Juju's probably not a good week 17 pick. Cause I don't know like how he's even going to be like running in week 17. What, what, but... what week, what week is Juju? A good like, <laughs> like week three, week three is when I want Juju. <laughs> When's the first week five. There's that's when the bye week's been. I'm like week five. Come on, Juju. <laughs> here's the here's the thing. I I don't have any wide receivers in that range other than one guy. I have forty three percent Elijah Moore at this point. I, I just I'm not don't, that into I, Elijah Moore, man. How do I click anyone else's name? I mean, I'm clicking all like all the other names. What's the <laughs> difference? Between his routes aren't assured, and and he was bad last year. What's the? Yeah, I don't care. I I literally do not care. I, I I really don't. So the more stuff is interesting because if you look at his like targets per route run stuff last year, it was like bottom five of all wide receivers that ran above like 200 routes. Like it was Gabe Davis territory. I think like worse than Gabe Davis territory. But then you look at his charting stuff like uh, Matt Harmon reception perception didn't see a huge fall off in Moore's actual like route running success rates last year. And also he was amazing as a rookie. So I'm that kind totally of, fits with the narrative that yeah. he and Zach Wilson just hated each other. I'm willing to give him a little the benefit of doubt on some of his stats last year, but it, it's still I think you do have to admit it's on it's uncertain on his talent. Um I, I do like I think I'm probably in the middle I don't of, I don't of, think it's guys. uncertain on his talent. Who's wide receiver 56 in open score? Wide receiver 56. It's not mm. it's not like he was he wasn't horrific. He's actually between Mike Evans and Cooper Cup. So, you know, he was he's probably fine, but he is like a smaller guy so like the ability to get open is probably i just don't i like for him to be for him to turn into like a rotational bench wide receiver for the cleveland browns at 23 years old his rookie year would have to be like an all-time mirage which is not to say that it's not it does happen right i mean juju was so good those first two years look how we were just talking about him uh the the buccaneers guy michael clayton right thousand yards 10 touchdowns as a rookie, never heard from him again. It's not to say that it doesn't happen, but it seemed, especially because other teams were interested in him, right? This is not like Denzel Mims, where he hung around as a depth guy forever, even though the Jets tried to trade him. Like, they found a trade partner for him. That, that yeah, to me, yeah. is also kind of interesting. But to he wash was... out of the team that spent a second-round pick on you in two years is a major red flag. I mean, Anthony Miller comes to mind is a dude who just like washed oh, out god damn it this is the game we've been playing we've just been sending each other like awful comps for players like just like guys <laughs> who exist like what was what was the last one we did jalen tolbert like jalen tolbert yeah, like tolbert, uh, yeah. so like jalen tolbert just had uh the the two most recent things when you when you search for him are uh worked out with dak in like cuba or whatever or, or costa rica <laughs> and and that he's on the roster bubble and then the last message Terrain sent me is i asked him is danny gray alive and pat just said he's talon wallace west which is just like damning him to hell like danny gray doesn't exist so danny gray i had some 18th round uh danny gray last year i think i had a tweet that it was it was the most theoretical of all best ball picks that i've ever made in my life 18th round danny gray i mean it was pretty good theoretical you had to get those you had to get those trey lance stacks dude i did that a bunch um Um, any other teams guys that are that are jumping out here or any did you want a final world on i would yeah i just want to elijah Moore. like he I i do think that the reason that I'm having trouble mustering like more excitement is that I do think he's slot only there because they drafted Cedric Tillman, who's like 
big bodied X type. And they also have Donovan Peoples Jones, who's a big body deep threat guy. Isn't isn't Cedric Tillman just the pick so that they don't have to pay DPJ though? Isn't that isn't Maybe. that sort of Maybe, but Amari Cooper is also an outside wide receiver as well. So there's like the fact that if it was just DPJ or just Tillman, I'd be like, well, if Moore's good, he'll be able to play in two wide receiver sets. But there's both of them and Amari. I'm just like, I don't know that he's playing in two wide receiver sets. So now I'm looking at maybe like 75% route rate on top of all the the talent questions, yeah. which are, I think are up in the air. Like he could still be very 70, good. 75% route rate, dude. Kadarius Tony would bite your arm off for a oh, 75% we'll, 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 we have oh, more on a, that he's later. He's a third round Don't pick worry. with a 75% route rate. I mean, we got but, by the way, later. just Don't real worry. quick, while we're, while we're looking at these game stacks, last thing, I mean, how much less attractive did the bills become knowing that they're playing, that this is their week 17 game? Like it's, it's as, it's as bad as it could have been. I think like this is a going to be a bad football game. I don't know, man. Yeah. They could they could beat up on the Patriots. They've done it. What's before. the what's the what's the total for that game gonna be though? Outdoor, outdoor Outdoors. January game yeah. between the Patriots and the Bills. It's ugly. I just think the cost of the, the pass is so so cheap. Oh, no. it's not gonna be thirty seven. It's gonna be close. I said forty seven. Oh, oh, I thought you said thirty. My Jesus my Christ. gut, my gut was if it's outdoors, if the weather, if it's if it's seventeen degrees in uh, the northeastern United States is going to be like a 44 and a half total. We'll see how much weather will play a role. Um, weather will last definitely one I, play a role. I'll want to throw out there is I look at these. My favorite game is Giants Rams. I actually think both these teams as a whole in a vacuum are underpriced in best ball. Uh, Daniel Jones, I think, is underpriced. He ran for 700 yards last year, got a huge. You know, say what you want about his wide receivers. They're not amazing, but it's a huge upgrade from what he was dealing with last year. Adding Hyatt, adding Waller. Um, Waller helps. The, yeah. I mean, who who knows what the – I think, like, last year was – it can't – literally can't get worse than last year, and he still was a great pick in fantasy. You know, he's going pretty cheap. Anyways, I, I like that game. I like that shootout potential there uh, with the Dable Giants and Matthew Stafford somewhat bouncing back to 2021 form. And it's, you know, the third – third cheapest out of all games next to new orleans tampa bay tennessee houston like i could see that actually having a pretty high you know we we flip over the cards on week 17 and i think that game could have a sneaky high over under uh if those teams play to their ceiling so uh, i like that one quite a bit any any other games you guys want to talk about here or uh we'll be tracking this uh throughout the season but i'll throw out one more i do like the the call on the rams and the giants a lot um I will throw out Washington and San Francisco as a team where it's like, just don't guess the quarterbacks. Just take, take the pieces. Mm, sure. It's like take, San take, Francisco. J- take Jalen Hurts and then stack the rest of the game. Yeah. Like yeah, this game could have points, especially if uh, San Francisco is just beating up on Washington and then Washington has to throw to, to you know, uh, save face. And maybe they have the enemy as the coach at that point and they're willing to, to just lean on the pass. Yeah, I, I like that one a lot. And I think both those te- any any team that has an uncertain quarterback situation, the player ADPs are just repressed because of that. We saw that with Carolina, Indianapolis, Houston. Those those teams are still cheap now, but you know, Nico Collins, just by knowing who his quarterback is now, has shot way up. Alec Pierce, just because we know who his quarterback is, has shot way up. So any team that has an uncertain QB, people are afraid to take them. I think the prices on Washington and San Francisco will remain pretty cheap because of that for a while 
Uh, so that's that's an interesting one to game stack without the quarterback for sure. Yeah, I agree. Let's talk. Uh, let's move on to the biggest risers from this past week. So we're looking at the largest ADP risers from May 10th to today, May 15th. We have on the list Alexander Madison as the biggest riser, up 12 spots. Then Christian Watson, Irv Smith, Van Jefferson, Kadarius Toney, Jaden Reed, Jarek McKinnon, Rasheed Rice, Mike Evans, and Rashad Bateman. I think the first thing that clearly jumps out here is we have three Chiefs and one Bengals player. So back to that previous chart, um, people are targeting that game. I, I want to start with the Kadarius Tony conversation. He's maybe the guy who's got the most buzz over the past week or so on fantasy Twitter. So I want to just lay out the case for Tony. Um, I made this quick visual here. I think the central case with Tony is you look at the left-hand side of this page here. Tony's per route numbers are just off the charts. Yards per route run, 2.15, 2.14. He's top 15 in yards per route run each of the past two years. And Five routes in the Super Bowl. I was like, five routes in the Super Bowl. Exactly. Five routes in the Super Bowl, but he was one arm tackle away from winning Super Bowl MVP. If he scored that punt return, dead ass, he would have. Yeah, and his his routes like I think the people like don't quite realize his routes scaled down. Like he kind of actually hit a peak like towards the end of the regular season, peak being like thirty percent route rate, and then it no, got no, worse. it was it was more than that. So I actually I've got a little bit of insight. I think I okay. know why they did this. I think okay. I I think I I think I sort of understand the Chiefs thought process here because I think from the outside people are like the Chiefs are getting nothing from these guys. They're getting nothing from Justin Watson. They're getting nothing from Sky. How is it possible? They trade this third round pick. And I think basically they looked at Kadarius Tony and they were like, dude, you are a mess. You are always hurt. You're always arguing with your coaches. You were a first round pick. They gave up on you immediately. They traded you to us for a late third round pick. My guess is the, the thought went something like this. Let's get him into an off season and our strength and conditioning protocol. Let's have, cause the chiefs, the Chiefs have a really good strength and conditioning team. They've worked through it like they and they do this with McKinnon, right? They keep McKinnon on ice until it's time to use him. And I think they're just like anything we get out of Tony this year is a bonus at this point. I think after he got hurt in that Jaguars game, they're like, we cannot count on this guy. We can't game plan around him. We can't function like he's gonna be here. So let's just get to the offseason and deal with it then. That that is my uh rose-colored glasses view on why they chose to use him that way could i that could be totally fan fiction but that is that is my guess i think it's plausible i think that the fact that he ran five routes in the super bowl undermines that argument a bit i agree um, i agree also yeah. three routes in the afc championship game does not help the cause no here. it, it I, really doesn't i think but that two, but two targets on three routes probably more targets than sky in that game yeah i think what the chiefs maybe are doing <laughs> is they're like we're going like sub package. Like we we're going to have guys like maybe, maybe none of these guys is going to do anything for us. Like over the course of an entire season or the course of an entire game, they're not going to be like, but they're, they're going to like do, we're going to have plays for all of these guys. Like, so that's, that when that's what the they field, did after Hardman got hurt, it was like, they'd have the, they'd have the Marcus Kemp stuff. They'd have the Jody Fortson stuff. Like they, they would be, they'd be like, they, the chiefs would routinely be playing, nine tight ends and wide receivers in a game which like most most right. people cap out at like seven like it was exactly be, it would, 
Yeah. And this is Andy Reid's deal, right? This is like, this is all he wants to do is come up yes. like, oh, Andy, like, I'm sorry, you have to stay at another two hours tonight and come up with like <laughs> plays for Rishi Rice now. He's like, oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> that's all. That's, I'm so, that's why they keep drafting guys so they can keep doing it. So I, I would be surprised personally if we saw Kadarius Tony. Like if he was if he ran like eighty five to ninety percent of the routes this year, I'd I'd kind of be shocked. Like I'd be he, truly. He shocked. probably has the worst downside case of any player outside of injury going in the top hundred picks, right? Where where he just straight up is healthy all season and just does not get used. Yeah, I mean fifty to sixty yeah. percent would be like a big boost and still kind of a disaster at this rate i mean depending depending on touchdown variance right like he he could totally get there with touchdown variance but but that's like very slim antonio brown in that year with brady i think he had about a 70 percent route rate so if if tony was in that type of role then i'm gonna look real silly because he'll he'll crush in that type of role but i i do think like that's what you're you're like praying that he's kind of antonio brown level usage um in like his last good year with the yeah, yeah with easy the easy game right and the thing easy is i mean game. we do the the big thing is that you know say what you want about juju maybe he's dust he was he had a pretty big stranglehold over the slot role last year right uh, i don't have the route numbers he's gone like it's i think it's gonna be him or sky going into the slot right like i guess maybe richie james has an outside chance of winning that job but like I think it's kind of a two-man competition, and well, I'm spoiler putting my alert, money. On... I, I don't think it's Sky. I'm putting, I think yeah, exactly. I think multiple guys are playing in the slot. Yeah, I, I think, think that's our I most think, likely outcome. I think Pat's right. I think it's like yeah, Tony Sky, Richie true. James, freaking Cornell Powell back from the dead. Like literally, well, she Rice will play some in the slot too. Sure. I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah, that's Plus the thing. I think it, they led the league in twelve personnel last year. That's that's they the doing hidden that? thing, though, is that Noah Gray is going to play sixty percent of their snaps. Yeah. I, so what? Do, Tony what to me has been a tough click. He's, yeah, it's like I better have Mahomes. I really better have Mahomes because I'm. Like, I don't know. I mean, this this is like we are. Like I've often been like guys like screw it. I'm just drafting the guy who I think is super talented, and Tony fits that bill. But like. How does he? How does he play? I'm like, it's a lot to pay for a guy. I'm like, are we sure he's playing? Like he he had he combined for eight routes in the last two games we saw. That's a yeah. major problem. I'm just sure I'm that. just living I'm just living a little. I'm just living a little. Yeah, you know, okay. I don't I don't care. I I don't care because the 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 theoretical upside the the rose colored glasses <laughs> he, he plays he plays you know a, a, a huge majority of the passing downs is you have a guy who can easily score 280 half PPR points or whatever. Who runs more routes, Kadarius Tony or Jameson Williams? Tony. Collectively yeah. on the season? On the I'm, season. I'm, I'm, Tony, I'm Tony, feeling, Tony. I'm feeling bearish. <laughs> I'm feeling bearish on Jameson <laughs> Williams. I'm feeling pretty, pretty bearish. <laughs> it's probably Tony, but it's, it's probably Tony, but it's, it's, <laughs> it's still close. Like these route numbers, <laughs> these route numbers are so bad. When I was digging them up, I was like, this is worse than I remembered. I yeah. don't know, man. Like the, the makes, five route, the five routes in the Super Bowl. Is the just, targets for really... route run, yeah. And it's like the targets for route run stuff. Yeah, sure. He he got six targets on twelve routes. Like, good job, I guess. But it's twelve routes. Like, I, I don't know. Well, that, and that is the thing too. Like when targets per route run is, I love it. It's a great stat. But like, if you get a screen route, if you get like one yeah, exactly. target, 
that's designed to go to you, it's going to spike your targets per route run in a small sample. So, and Tony is that guy. Like he is the dude you bring on to get him the ball. He probably you know? didn't know. Yeah, he didn't know the whole playbook. So they're like, "Hey, we have like six plays for you. When you're out there, you're the you know primary target on half the plays that you're out there." So like, it's so biased by that that I think I think he's a good talent. But like people citing these yards per outrun, targets per outrun, like they're not gonna scale. They're not gonna. They're scale not gonna up. scale. Yeah, they might scale like somewhat, but they're. Somewhat. It's like one of the things where, yeah, he'll still he'll still drop a lot, but yeah, um, but yeah, uh, we got a comment that he's so unique because he can bury you in both directions, which is like <laughs> I do not want to be out on Tony. Tony could bury me if I'm, but I I do plan to be underweight on Tony. I just don't want to be like, I'd like to be like five percent Tony. That's that's like I think yeah. My target on him. And to be fair, the wide receiver. Does that mean like, you only have five percent Mahomes? No, I just am not going to like reach for Tony because Mahomes is so easy to stack. I want to be overweight. I think I've gotten to the point where I think I do actually want to be overweight these top three quarterbacks. I think, I think you can I'm gonna, I, you can I, do it. I can already stare into a crystal ball and see my future of why I don't win a million dollars because I, I do Kelsey Mahomes about twice as frequent as I do Diggs and Allen, and it's week 17, and it's not snowing in New England, and Stephon Diggs has 29 and. Uh, half PPR points. <laughs> Josh Allen runs for two touchdowns, and Kelsey and Mahomes already have the division wrapped up, so they just spend the whole game handing off to Isaiah Pacheco and running screens for Jody Fortson. And I just, yeah. uh, I have nothing left. Yeah, I do. I think, yeah, you want to be mixing up, but like in the big board, I was way underweight the top three guys, but that's Anthony Richardson was free to begin that. And then he, when he like spiked up, he was still going like the 12th round. Um, and Lamar Jackson was going on like the fourth, fifth. So there was multiple ways to get, you know, really strong quarterback production potentially for a way cheaper. And I don't like Lamar's like an early third round pick now. Um, there's just not obviously Richardson's super expensive compared to where he was. So I'm like, ah, am I just going to be out on these elite quarterbacks who've had incredible advance rates recently? And I know yeah. the cost is a lot higher, but I don't know. I, I I think I want to be overweight slightly at least. That is one of my most interesting things. Like if I could stare into a crystal ball is like, what is the increased cost of the expensive quarterbacks due to their advance rates? Cause this time last year, you could take Mahomes in the fifth fucking yeah, round. Like I don't want so get these guys in the fifth round. It's like Mike Evans or Patrick Mahomes. Like literally I do not have to think I, I, I don't have to process that at all. I know exactly. Well, what Evans was a second round pick, but I see what you're saying. Yeah. Right. yeah. This year he's a fifth. Yeah. I, I don't even yeah. know. Yeah. So like, so if you look, yeah, if you look at the math of like, um, and there's different versions of this, but Hayden does a good one with like better and best ball points. I think if you look at that and say, the quarterbacks this year separate in the same way that they did last year. I think they're fairly priced or maybe even like very slightly underpriced where they are now. But I think you do have to consider that like last year's sort of middle class of quarterbacks were way worse than they've been in prior mm -hmm. years from a points per game standpoint. Like I, I looked at something where, you know, Gino was the quarterback nine last year at like 18 points per game. You look at the last five years, every other quarterback nine was like up at 20. So it's just it's a small difference, right? It doesn't stand out to us as massive, but if some other quarterbacks just play a little bit better, then Mahomes, Hurts, and Allen don't even have to play worse for them to be less valuable, if mm -hmm. that makes sense. So I, I don't know. I 
Pat, I, I'm kind of like coming around to them a little bit. I, I don't think I'm going to be overweight them, but like I am definitely not hard fading them in the way I was in early drafts. Um, it's, you know, especially if their their prices stick. And I think they, they are pretty sticky at this point. Um, I have seen them in the puppy fall a little bit to like the early third. And so that's making me wonder if maybe they'll fall a little bit, but I don't know. I mean, I guess I'm not super upset if, my early best ball mania drafts are a little bit weighted toward elite quarterback. And then if they fall, like then it becomes way easier. Then I'm, then I'm overweight elite quarterback in my portfolio. Like, great. It's been, it's been quite good recently. So. Yeah. I don't um, think it's like a terrible, like, and like we said, their, their, their floor is like mid third. So like you maybe maybe worst case scenario, you're losing a little ADP value, but I kind of like doubt they drop that far. So. Yeah, and I'm yeah. okay to like kind of catch the value there. Yeah. So, yeah. Let's let's talk Madison. He shows up at the top riser here. This one's a little weird to me because there hasn't been any hard news on Cook, but there's been some like rumors about Cook being a post June first cut. That's, think- it's just a continuation of the rumors and how gross the range is. It, it's not any specific thing. It's like I've I've fallen victim of this where I'm like Javante Williams with the bum ACL, Zach Charbonnet. You know, it, it just yeah. like Madison is like. Yeah, he could be a starting running back, or you have like a nut handcuff. Like Madison, every year for the last five years has had at least like three games of twenty-five or more PPR points, just because Cook will right. miss a couple games. You know, it's so it's it's like it's like it's kind of like clicking Pollard there. You know, that that's sort of what it feels like, or what Pollard yeah. used to be. Yeah. Well, thoughts on Madison at this price? I've actually had a hard time. And like Pat Thorman's been tweeting about Madison like for like months, it feels like. Like, just like, guys, what are we doing? This dude's probably starting running back. Like, let's draft him. And he's been right. But I just, I've had a hard time with Madison just because like, I don't think Madison's like that good. I don't think he's bad, but he's kind of like a guy who they, like, are they seriously? I mean, maybe the money says yes, that they're just like, we're going to cut. Fucking franchise tagged him. Didn't, I thought they gave him a deal. No, they franchise tagged him, right? Madison? Madison? I think no. they gave him a deal. No. Um, he, but it's good. It's like a, they, they paid him. He got the fourth so, most guaranteed money of of any yeah, running back. Yeah. yeah two so years, just behind $7 million yeah. deal. Yeah. Just behind Jamal Williams, Montgomery, Miles Sanders. So Madison got money that was uh, he got significantly Chase Edmonds more. Money. He got, yeah, <laughs> that's fair. But he got more than like the Mostert, Singletary, Wilson, McKinnon. Like, right. If you look at his contract, like Minnesota clearly does value him with this type of guaranteed money. Right. Uh, whether that translates to him being. And they never, good. and I mean, never give the ball to their third running back, right? Does not matter who it is. They did one year when Mike Boone was there, like one game Mike Boone got in, but Kenne and Wangu, Dwayne McBride, like these guys are, like, if Dalvin Cook is not out there, Madison is getting 19 carries, four catches, and every goal line carry. Yeah, probably. It's just, it is, it's tough because we only have one year with this coaching staff. Yeah. So it's tough to say like he'll get used, but he was used last year, like in the institutional in memory, bro. I don't know if it works like that. <laughs> I don't know if whatever <laughs> it kind of really does to me. First. It kind of does to me. Like I kind of, I kind of <laughs> think it, it'll, it'll work that way until they give me a reason to believe otherwise, to be honest. Yeah. yeah, but I've got, I've come around on Madison though. I've, I'd like, yeah, I don't think he's that. Great. I, I don't like this price that much. Yeah. It, it, it feels anytime I anytime he's like available past ADP though I'm like yeah I should I should do this I should get exposure. Yeah, I was taking him a lot. I think at this price now, 
I don't know. Like, what what are actually the odds that Cook gets cut at this point? Like the post Pretty June high, one, I think. You think they're high? So I, this is where I don't understand something. I don't the get post, it either, Sam. The post June one thing, like you can designate guys post June one cuts before June first. Like that's what happened to Zeke. Like he was designated right. a post June. So like people are saying, um, they're just gonna wait till June first and then he's gonna get cut. Like they could designate Cook a post June first cut now. Like that's not. Unless I'm wrong about that, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm right about you're, this. So you're like, not. You are not wrong. So that's why I'm just like, people are kind of, I think, misunderstanding that. So it's like, wh- what is going to cause Cook to get cut from here until June 1st? Like, I don't... Maybe you won't get... So so apparently Fowler, this is a... Roto World had this, that, that Fowler said um, he's been told that the Vikings want to, quote, do right by Dalvin Cook and want him to go to a place where he can be happy, where he can play uh-huh. and be happy. So what I think they might be doing is just like hanging on. They're like, we don't have to cut them until after June 1st anyway. Let's see if a, a starter goes down somewhere. Then we can trade Cook there. That That's great for us. That's great for him. Sure. And then we can all kind of be happy and move on. Where, I don't know, maybe they maybe worst case scenario in their minds, they would just keep Cook and play him. But I think if anyone gets hurt and is interested in Cook, like he's the Vikings are jumping at that. That's the thing, right? Is that I think a trade is more likely than like they don't have an incentive to just outright cut him unless they're just cheap and don't want to physically hand him the cash. Like I don't think cap wise they really are incentivized to do that anymore. So um yeah, I guess it's a question is does a trade materialize for him? I I guess I see some potential landing spots, but I would handicap the odds of him being on the Vikings at I think fifty, I call it close to fifty fifty. I don't know if you guys disagree. So I'd say less. I'd say less, less. but I agree, but I think it's a good point that he probably won't get cut. Um, but I would say probably less, just because you know guys get hurt in training camp. Yeah. So if you think it's less, then I, I'm kind of surprised that you're not in on Madison. I think, like if you think, well, it's... that's I kind of regret. It. I feel like I kind of missed the boat, and I don't want to yeah. like chase him up. But I do, I do feel like I was wrong on Madison, and it should have had more. And I do want to mix him in now, even at this price, because I am underweight. And I'm like, that looks pretty bad. So let me let me make sure I'm am mixing him in, even though the price has gone up a bit. Mm-hmm. Got it. That makes sense. Another guy I want to talk about with you guys is uh, Christian Watson. I don't think we've touched on him a lot so far this offseason. He's up two spots to 42 overall, um, going behind guys like Amari Cooper, but now ahead of guys like DeAndre Hopkins, Drake London, uh, DJ Moore. I think he's passed. So. Um, there's like a micro uh, Tony narrative with Watson, I think, where the, the target per route run, yards per route run stuff is really high. He was not running all the routes. Obviously, was running more than Tony was, but there's a little bit of that narrative with him. So, yeah, curious, Davis, uh, in this Jordan Love offense, how have you been treating Christian Watson? So, like, on one hand, it both feels insane right it just like like objectively feels insane for a guy who basically sun ran touchdowns for eight games to to go this high but then to me i find myself clicking him a lot because i look at the guys around him one it's like stack partners for these guys are kind of hard so like amari cooper i don't love paying that price on deshaun watson calvin ridley fine like obviously question marks there don't love paying that price tag on uh on Trevor Lawrence and then DJ Moore, I'm like completely out on at this price. I just, I'm, I'm not going to have any of him at wide receiver 20. Don't really love Mike Williams or Keenan Allen 
Don't really like DeAndre Hopkins because of the stack partner. Don't really like Drake London because of the stack partner. Don't really like Terry McLaurin because of the stack partner. Don't, you know, and it, just, it literally goes on and down to Michael Pittman at wide receiver 28 before I find a stack partner that I like. And so I'm looking at that range and I'm like, yeah, shit, I'm just going to take Christian Watson because Jordan Love's quarterback 21 feels like a totally appropriate price. That can be my second quarterback. I can take Romeo Dobbs for a double stack in like the 15th round. Easy peasy. So it's like, I don't even love Christian yeah. Watson, but just for structural reasons, it just makes a lot of sense is really what it comes down to. That's fair. Pat, what are you what are you thinking about Watson? I'm in the same boat. And when I get to, you know, and I'm thinking about who I'm taking, I'm like, it's pretty easy for me to imagine Christian Watson having a really big week in the playoffs. You know, that's like his archetype. And so it's like, it's a tiebreaker sort of thing. Um, I am kind of into him. He's He's interesting because he like really overperformed um, his volume compared to the first three targets that he had last year as well, which has been uh, something that is really good. If you get, if you're like a number one wide receiver, you want to do that because you're never going to like the first three targets alone, aren't going to get you to an elite status. Um, you need to be more efficient than that. Um, you need to earn additional targets. And uh, when you're not the first read, that's like kind of what a superstar wide receiver can do. But it also makes it like a little less, con like a little more concerning that he's like kind of got this flash in the pan thing going on, where like he wasn't actually like a huge part of the offense. He wasn't getting a ton of first read targets. He wasn't getting a ton of routes. So like, which which is he? Is he a star who can overperform volume, or is he a guy who got really hot and now his quarterback's gotten way worse? So or was I, it just I, uh, Aaron Rodgers forcing them to design targets for Randall Cobb and Alan Lazard? Well, that, that might be too. Yeah, maybe his routes are going to spike way up now that Rogers is gone. So I've <laughs> no, been I see your point of, though. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've like he's one of these guys where like it is kind of Tony is sort of a good comparison, except I'm more in on Watson. Like I don't mm -hmm. think he's a smash where he's going, but the upside makes him very viable where he's going. And there's lots of other red flags in this area. One guy I'd kind of uh, go to bat for a little bit is Terry McLaurin. Um, where maybe not over like Watson, but I just think in general, like he's, it's like, again, you don't know, you don't need to know who the quarterback is. He's a, he has two outs to decent quarterback play. And I think he could be sure. someone that we're like looking back on, like, why aren't we t taking more of him with, you know, kind of a clear, like down, downfield ability and, and, uh, you know, shown the ability over many years to earn targets and isn't old. Yeah, I like I like McLaurin. I mean, I think McLaurin, you just pencil him in for eleven hundred yards and six to eight touchdowns, and like, if he doesn't get injured, like, it's hard to see how he doesn't get that, in my opinion. But it doesn't. There's, I think, there's a little bit of like boring player who's been good for a while that we're just a little bit bored of thing going on with McLaurin, and, and even Keenan Allen, you can make that. Case Keenan well. Allen's another guy I like too. Yeah, yeah. I, I like. Yeah, that was the the. The two names I'd push back on on Davis's list, where I like Keenan Allen, I like McLaurin. If ADP made me, how many it, games in Keenan Allen's career has he gotten to twenty half PPR points? Honestly, oh, I think a, I think a lot. I think his weekly upside's a little underrated. I don't have that on on hand, Davis, but I think like he's had plenty of games where he smashes. And I I PPR. sleep I sleep like a fucking baby at night knowing that I have no Keenan <laughs> Allen. Like honestly. <laughs> Keenan Allen, Keenan, there will be a lot of reasons why I don't win Best Ball Mania for, but not having Keenan Allen is not going to be one of them. So if well, I would check out uh, fair, yeah. Kyle uh, had a tweet thread or a tweet about uh, Keenan Allen, Kyle Dvorak recently, and 
I'm, I don't have it on hand, but he was pacing for like a legit wide receiver one season last year when he was healthy. Like he was straight up just, I mean, yeah, you can say the injury concerns thing, whatever. Like it's not he, even, was, ball, it's, he's, he was he's balling 31? when he was healthy. He's 31. Yeah. And now, and now they're not going to have the dink and dunk 4.8 YPA yeah. offense. It just, I get it. I, I'm, I'm not saying you shouldn't take Keenan Allen. I'm not saying people who are over the weight, like, it's a really easy click there at that turn. You take her. Actually, I think the smart thing is, and I bet this will be reflected in ADP at some point, is you actually take Herbert first, and then you get your choice. If you are if you kind of have a turn pick there, then you get your choice out of Keenan or Mike instead of leaving your dickhead opponents the option of taking Herbert after you take uh, Keenan. Because let me tell you, See, nothing, I, I... nothing worse than taking Keenan and then having Herbert snipe from you. It's fine. You you can do the you can do the Broncos thing on the other side, uh, even if you yeah. don't go Russ. You just no, that's, you just that's stack true. that game up. Yeah, yeah. And I, also, the, I, I don't want to be naked, Herbert. What am I getting? Quentin Johnson, ten picks, but no, I actually kind of like Quint, Quentin Darryl Johnson. Everett. What what odds can I, I like? Gerald Everett, okay, too. Yeah. What odds can I get on Quentin Johnson more fantasy points weeks nine through seventeen than Keenan Allen? Oh man, I would bet that. I'd bet that with you. That's not gonna. Well, happen. Keenan Allen. Okay, wait. We might give have me, a, give me, give me a fair, I give me a, like someone, someone, give me a number, and I'll let you know if I think it's bettable or not. I would give, I don't know, three to one odds. I was, I was thinking four to one felt bettable. Four to one, because Keenan, yeah. Keenan is the wide receiver twenty four, and QJ is the wide receiver forty three. I think. Yeah, but you, but head. you didn't say over the season. You're getting the rookie thing. You're getting the rookie coming on. Let, well, let me just say that if. Point. If if uh, well, if, QJ if we were is only gonna... drafting for weeks nine through seventeen, the gap would be way less in the ADP. Fair, 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 fair. Come on, Keenan Allen is just so much better than Quentin Quentin Johnson. I'm not it, I, PCU. Hey. Uh, Do you guys realize that Keenan know, Allen man. had two separate nineteen target weeks in 2020? That's, that's what nuts. I'm saying. He's like he he's I don't know if if this uh, is like Quentin this is like gonna... talking about Jameson Crowder with Leone. It's like I know what he <laughs> said. It's like I know what he's saying is right, but I just do not care. Like you can't make me get. Like it is my right as an American to not care about Keenan Allen. <laughs> I can't argue with that. Um, let's talk. Uh, let's see who's on here that we haven't talked about. Mike Rice, Evans, Rice, and McKinnon. McKinnon and Rice, we've talked about those guys a lot. I mean, that's true. Yeah, is the story a little obvious? That's just the Cincinnati thing. Also, the McKinnon, like I think it's a little bit of the McKinnon news is still not fully baked in. Maybe let, let's talk McKinnon. Like, what what is his like settling ADP? He's at one thirty right now, still behind guys like Gibson, Elijah Mitchell, Jamal Williams, Khalil Herbert, uh, Damian Harris. Um, he can't I guess my, too he, much more than this, can he? This seems yeah. Yeah, I was gonna I say like maybe t- maybe 12, 12 spot, ten spots higher. I would probably take him over Jamal Williams. Probably yeah, I would too. I take him over Gibson and Herbert. I wouldn't take him over Eli Mitchell. I wouldn't take him over Damian Harris. It seems like his rise has got to stop pretty soon. And so. and it's sort of done with like the implicit understanding that you're knowing that like this guy's not playing the first two months of the season. Really, you know, like like we all sort of acknowledge that. And they still they still might be one of these teams that gets Zeke or Dalvin Cook or Leonard Fournette or whoever, you know. Right. Yeah. And the thing is with him that's interesting is like I think 
from a weekly seal individual weekly ceiling standpoint, the quarterback running back stacks, I don't really like, but with Mahomes and McKinnon, I kind of like that a lot. Like he had some huge receiving games last year um, in Mahomes spike week. So the McKinnon six catches, 80 yards and, and two touchdowns game, I think still exists. So he's a pretty interesting stack partner with Mahomes from that standpoint. Um, but yeah, I don't think he should rise too much more than this. I don't think so either. I'm actually behind ADP now in my ranks. Not a ton, but yeah. Got it. All right, I'll give you guys the floor. Any other name? Any other names of guys you want to either make the case for here or say they're way too high? Otherwise, let's move on to the fallers. I don't really like Bateman, but I get it. I like. I do like Bateman, but you want him in. You want him in the auction league. Oh, never, I don't have him. Never mind. Different league. I think I have Getting him. Getting confused. I, I'm, trying, I'm, trying, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to sell him. <laughs> let's, uh, let's talk fallers here. Um, again, we say on the show, uh, we're market movers. Jonathan Taylor is down again um, after I fudded him, even though I've taken him in like 30% of my BBM team so far. Uh, don't ask. You don't actually ask are me. doing what they, what touts always get accused of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what's the opposite of it. pumping? What's the opposite of pump and dump? Uh, I don't know. Whatever that is, the opposite of that, I'm I'm doing that. Fun and Taylor. Is it fun, fun, and scoop? fun and scoop? I'm fun and scooping Taylor because again, uh, week 17 correlation. I invented the concept. Uh, I won't go into that in too much detail, but um, the Raiders <laughs> are playing the Colts. <laughs> the Raiders are playing the Colts in week 17. Uh, so you take Devonte, take Taylor, but um. Yeah, not a lot of names here that like kind of make sense. I guess Allen is the interesting one we should talk about. We did kind of say last show, if any of the quarterback ADPs were going to fall, Allen is the one that makes sense with the stack partners with the Week 17 stuff. He is falling a little bit. Again, just one spot, but it is a pretty big as a percentage of his ADP. What do we think? Does that, like, do can Diggs drafters expect to get Allen in the third round, or is that just a fantasy? What do we think? Is Allen is Allen's fall gonna continue davis what are your thoughts um yeah i mean i think i think we'll probably see because the initial reaction of everyone i've talked to who's like i haven't done any drafts they open up underdog they go hop into a puppy they go hop into best ball mania they cannot believe the quarterback adp right that just mm-hmm. universally that is the response but as we outlined on last week's show for like literally we like went through the entire exercise it it is lit like Mahomes is not going to fall. The, I actually okay. This yeah. is the the one Mahomes way he fall, could yeah. fall. The one way he could fall would be if people just or whatever Travis Kelsey's thirty four. Like we're just going to stop drafting him. We're taking all these other guys instead of him. And if Kelsey becomes like the tenth pick, that's a little bit too early to take Mahomes. So then you could see the Mahomes drafter be like try and play the ADP game and just try and get him in the third round or whatever. Hurts, no way. Hurts is just he's always he's, he's almost like cemented into the spot where he's going due yeah. to the two pressures of AJ Brown and Devonta Smith on the other side of him. But yeah. Allen doesn't have that same pressure because I think you can easily tell yourself as like I don't need to get Allen with Diggs or just those ADPs don't perfectly line up. You know the way that the the Kelsey and the Mahomes ADP. If you pulled up a big board of ADP right now, they literally perfectly line up. So yeah, I think I think Allen will continue to fall. I think Taylor will probably fall a little bit more. Um, 
the 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 name on this list that doesn't make sense to me as a follower is Michael Meyer because every day I wake up and Dalton Kincaid is like another three spots higher in the ADP refresh. Like <laughs> it's it's yeah, insane. I think Knox is actually becoming a value now. I agree. Um, he's on the followers here. Uh, on the Allen thing, like I do wonder the one thing that could make the elite quarterbacks fall a bit is if Burrow falls a bit to the end of the fourth, because I, I did have a puppy where I went Jamar chase T Higgins. And I was like, I'm going for it. I'm going to, I'm going to get Burrow. And I got Burrow and to get like that double stack with a fourth round pick um, is, is pretty fun. And I think if like that becomes an option, even if you're not double stacking, even if you just go chase or Higgins and you get, you're able to get Burrow in the fourth, uh, then I think it becomes like less of a priority to like grab an unstacked Allen or, you know, unstacked Mahomes and figure that out later. You're like, I can actually stack this up with the Burrow side. Um, so that, that would be, that would be kind of one way because, um, on the, on the other hand though, like the Josh Allen thing, like Burrow has been going in kind of this no man's land where I was like, who, who, who is drafting Burrow stacked ever? Like he must just be going unstacked in like every draft. So uh, that makes it harder for me to see Allen falling all the way back to Diggs in the third round. Cause I think someone at the three Oh three is just like, fuck it all. I'll stack. Yeah. That, I think that that's a thing where the solo Josh Allen is a lot more appealing than, you know, the unstacked Joe Burrow. So I, I agree with Davis's case that like, I think you can make an argument for why Allen falls to the mid third. I don't think that's like the, the most likely. I think it's, I think it's possible though. Whereas with, Mahomes, I don't know. The Mahomes, again, with the Week 17 stuff, um, I think, you know, Jamar Chase Mahomes starts will be pretty popular. You know, T. Higgins Mahomes starts at the 2-3 turn will also be pretty popular. That I have a hard time seeing Mahomes slide all the way. Um, so, yeah. We'll, we'll see, though. Uh, the other thing that's maybe slightly interesting here, um, Dalvin Cook, I guess we don't have to talk about a ton. It's sort of the inverse of the Madison stuff that we were just talking through. Uh, DJ Moore is sliding a little, and I think I'd attribute this to uh, just some, probably honestly, Leone's tweet <laughs> was a big part of this drop. Uh, Leone tweeted out that DJ Moore is just way behind. Um, I, I think basically his case was, to paraphrase, even if you put in a really optimistic pass projection for the Bears, even if you really sort of tweak up DJ Moore's individual efficiency, this ADP just isn't justified by the projection and by their ETR ranking. So um, I think it's fair. I think Moore is really being pulled up by just the fact that the Justin Fields drafter wants to stack uh, Fields and Moore. And I think his, his fair ADP is probably around round and a half cheaper. Um, Davis, I, I know Davis already mentioned DJ Moore. Pat, do you, agree with Leone that more is overvalued costs. Yeah. I had more as kind of a, an early fifth type of value when I was tearing everything out in my ranks. And, but then I ended up having him ranked like pretty close to ADP because that general range is so gross as we kind of outlined earlier. Like there's no one that really jumps out. And, and then I was like, well, I can also get the stack here with fields and, if more beats expectations, I think he probably crushes expectations in a, in a lot of those uh, outcomes. Uh, you know, because like 
he could he could have a huge target share and Fields takes a step forward as a passer. And this is like kind of year one of Fields having a coaching staff who believes in him. It's like his first year in the entire in, in the NFL where that's the case. So I do think there's some really high end ceiling outcomes that you get with more. And it's a bad bet on talent play, which I like. He's what cheaper than he was last year when he had horrific quarterback play. So like a number of ways that I think I can I can see it hitting. On the other hand, like the math, Leone was just like the math just straight up like doesn't work. Davis is out, Gretch is out. Like <laughs> I'm like I'm sitting alone here on DJ Moore Island. So do they do they believe in him? I think they believe in him. Yeah, because they just traded away the number one overall pick. Like you, they. I mean, they could have traded Fields and dra- and started over. Like, there's... I bet the market. I bet the market was way more hot for the number one pick than for Justin Fields. Sure. I, I would bet. I would bet my bottom dollar the the the, pe- the trade package was better. And but you're getting very... fired if, they, if Fields doesn't work out. Now you're getting fired. So mm, they... no, I think you can sell it to the guys upstairs and say if Fields sucks, you know what's coming. Caleb Williams, Drake May. Well, all right. But if you're if you if you're the third worst team in the NFL, it's they're cleaning house. They got <laughs> so, extra. They got extra ammo to trade, and the Arizona Cardinals might be one of those first two picks, and they have Kyler Murray. Didn't the Cardinals Maybe. trade the way they pick? Am I wrong about that? No. I mean, maybe I'm wrong about that. Um, Anyway, the Cardinals, okay, the Cardinals have the Cardinals have their pick and the Texans pick. That's they're what I'm thinking. Pick. They have an extra pick. Okay, they, they have an extra. extra. Yeah. So there, there's. I, I I agree with your. So I think Leone's microanalysis is correct. That if you're doing right. projections, there's no way to make it work. I also agree with your macroanalysis that the thing that you could just plug it into projections and make it work is, oh, Justin Fields is actually good, right? Like right. if you press the actually good button inside the spreadsheet. DJ it all Moore works. looks a lot better. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm ambivalent on is Justin Fields actually good though? You know, like I I think he's I think he's an insanely talented rusher, but the sack rate is like because uh, I think not only do you learn from a sack rate that a guy makes a lot of negative plays, but it's also like just you know an inability to see the field, like not mm-hmm. not understanding what's unfolding in front of him properly, and that would be bad for DJ Moore. Yeah. And I, I think like even, and I probably the case that Leone makes too, is that even if pass attempts rise a bunch, like this bears team, like people talk about how little the Falcons passed last year, the bears were like a full two and a half pass attempts per game, less than the Falcon. Like they were truly like historically low in terms of pass attempts per game. Like you, you I don't know. You have to say that fields takes less sacks, scrambles less. They're more, you know, philosophically, um inclined to throw the ball instead of like there's a lot of levers that have to go in fields way for Moore's routes and his receptions and everything to make sense by the math um so i don't know i'm I'm totally open to like fields being a lot better than he was last year but like it's it's not just being like a little bit better it's like completely changing how they ran the offense like entirely well i also think you do at least with Moore have the thing of like he's been stuck in the Panther on the Panthers with just like horrible, horrible quarterback play about as bad as like a receiver could have over, you know, a three year stretch. Mm-hmm. And the coaching has also not been great either. So if you have, you do have, I think a bit of upside with more, the talent being unlocked by a quarterback who isn't horrible. And 
they you know so you can kind of so that's why I, it is appealing to me because it's not just like if Fields is good because I'm not taking much Darnell Mooney you know what I mean like yeah. I, it's to me it's the bet on talent with DJ Moore and then you know you get the Justin Fields is actually good button clicked and all of a sudden the math makes some sense it still doesn't make a ton of sense though like my thing is I'm hoping he falls yeah. I'm hoping the projections do their work he's gonna and, fall. And if you can, to me, if I can get him in the fifth round, I'm in again. I think I'm out for now in the fourth round. I think I'm I think just going to yeah. take other guys. I think he's going to swing all the way around. Like DJ Moore is, is the epitome of like the guy who fantasy sickos on Twitter who are drafting in May like, who casual drafters are like, fuck DJ Moore, fuck that guy. He, he's been useless to me the past couple. Like hundred percent. He, he's gonna yep. he's gonna fall. So like I just don't see that. That's why I'm like I'm gonna be able to get these stacks cheaper later. If for some reason he doesn't fall, I'll I'll recorrect and get some of them at at this price for the ceiling. But like I've been full fading just because like I'm I'm convinced he's he's gonna fall. And maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong about that. We'll see. But um, I I have strong conviction in that. Another funny one to mention here. Yeah, Bryce Young falling just because he looked really small in a video is is a pretty funny uh, ADP movement. I don't know if you guys saw that video on Twitter, but you couldn't, you couldn't see him uh, behind his offensive lineman. Um, I've talked about this before, but I, I like I like these rookie quarterbacks, Bryce Young and CJ Stroud. Their, their pass catchers are super cheap. The teams are super gross. I get it. If one of these guys is just really good as a rookie, and I know that historically rookie quarterbacks, it's not the best bet, but the prices are so cheap. We, you know, the NFL clearly love these guys as prospects. I want to mix them in. I sort of view them along the lines of sort of like Stafford in that group of late quarterbacks that have some upside. I think I like Stafford a little bit better, but I do want some of of these guys. Uh, you guys have thoughts on Bryce Young at this price? I like. Both of them the same as you do. I mean, I think yeah. there's probably maybe like a little more upside with Young because I think they could go like they could lean into the pass a little bit more. Um, where I think that Shanahan style system, they're going to play it pretty conservatively throughout Stroud's entire rookie year. But then Stroud, you actually do have the fact that you know he is bigger and could run a little bit more. Um, he didn't really run a ton of college, that's the big debate, but he could so. Yeah, yeah and, and he's fun to stack up, man. I mean, you got to – with Young, you got to do Mingo. And then, like, I hate taking DJ Shark over Nico Collins, even if I am setting up a Young thing. You can go Nico Collins and Tank Dell as a, as a backdoor like CJ Stroud one, stack, yeah. and it's so fun. I like the tight end. I know you guys hate – you guys probably hate him, but I, I like the Hayden Hurst, uh, Bryce Young stack. Enjoy your, enjoy your 45% route rate. Dude, who on the come on, guys? They paid him like they paid him enough guaranteed. Who the fuck? Come on, he's gonna have the dude. They they they've drafted tight ends like repeatedly, and they in in uh, Indianapolis, Mo Ali Cox, Kylan Granson. Oh no, sorry, uh, I mean on the who on this roster? Who on this roster now is gonna is gonna play over Hayden Hurst? Literally, Tommy, whoever Tommy I'm gonna pull up no, our lads on. and whoever, whatever name I see is who I would <laughs> come on. I'm just, they, they play anybody, you might not like it, but Hayden Hurst is gonna have the same role he had last year on the Bengals, which was a good role. And no, he will not. Yeah, he is, dude. Come no, on. he will not. That's not how this team is operating. I mean, this is a coaching staff thing, man. Ian Thomas, Tommy Tremble, Tommy Tremble, Tommy Tremble's running like 35% of the routes because he's out there blocking. That's how they wrote, that's how they treat the tight end position. That's a philosophical thing. 
He's picked 200. He's he's the starting tight end. Get out of here. Enjoy, uh, I'm, enjoy I'm not, it. You're going to have I'm a great time. It. 55% max. Am I, ta- am I taking him like solo? No, but um, like these Carolina Panthers wide receivers. Yeah, are you're like, taking him with Adam Thielen. What could go wrong? I'm not taking him with that. I'm taking it with Mingo, first of all. Okay, who who got the most guaranteed money this offseason at tight end? Taysom Hayden, Hill. Hayden Hurst. <laughs> Taysom Hill. <laughs> Let's talk Taysom Hill. Really it's still Taysom Hill, isn't it? No, it was Hayden Hurst. I think Taysom, Taysom Hill makes $15 million a year. <laughs> In terms of guaranteed money received the this offseason. This so bad. Oh, no, Scott sorry. Lost. Taysom only makes $10 million. My my uh, bad. Still, my bad. My point stands. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, I want to kick it to you for Taysom Hill. He does show up here as a faller. What are the, what are the people doing here? Are you going to make the case for Taysom? What, are, what are we doing? We, he was the tight end six last year. What's the difference, dude? I'm in. I'm still I'm in. in. What, 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 is in. The, what is the logic for literally seeing Taysom break the game multiple times last season? Is it just, I guess people are, are scared that Jamal Williams, Jamal Williams spells the end for Taysom at the goal line. Like the whole argument against drafting Taysom last year when he was cheap was, oh, you know, Sean Payton's not the coach anymore. So exactly. this, this new coaching set. No, dude, it's the same. You want to talk about fucking institutional memory. The Saints are the <laughs> most institutional memory ass team in the league. Like Taysom on that roster, he wears number seven, dude. What do you get? What do you want him to do? Like. He's going to be Taysom. Yeah, and uh probably helps that Kamara's going to get suspended for a huge chunk of the season. Yeah, like, like yeah, 100%. He's going to have a goal line package. He's 100% going to have a goal line package. What, oh, Derek Carr is so good. You can't take Derek Carr off the field. Like, no, come on. <laughs> yeah. Derek Carr, Derek is, Carr yeah. is Andy Dalton. Like, it's the same thing. He's going to have, good. like, he'll, have, he'll mix in, like, one or two deep touchdowns per year, too. Like, he does that every year. You know, it's you're not going to be able to predict it. Would you ever start him in a managed league? No, but in, in best ball, it's just – I think what he's actually down on is, like, the Foster Moreau signing, which is just a complete misunderstanding of it's, what Jason Hill's role it's, is. It, he's not – like, he does not compete with Foster Moreau for snaps. He There's isn't like, a tight end. Yeah, it's he isn't coach. a tight end. He's, he's not a tight the, end. I think a great way for people to think about him would be he is Dexter McCluster but 240 pounds. That would be – I think that would be a great way for people – to, to think about Taysom Hill is Kadarius Tony on the saints. He just has to score like six <laughs> touchdowns. You want to talk about, you want to talk about a target per route run King Taysom Hill. Yeah. It's so funny. The amount of like that he's listed as a tight end. He had 13 and six targets the past two years. Like, I think he has more pass attempts than, than targets probably, or at least close to it. Like I never understood this tight end listing, but I love it. I'm going to keep drafting him. It, it makes, it makes no, no sense. sense. I mean, imagine if uh, like Cordero Patterson was listed as a tight end. I draft him in the, the isn't 50s. that sort of similar? Oh, the the Bijan thing makes it tougher, but that that's like he's like a he's like a weapon. He's not a tight yeah, end. yeah. It's yeah. dumb. <laughs> it really shouldn't be listed as a tight end. He yeah. really he really should. Like I understand <laughs> him. I understand why they listed him there last year, but he should be listed as a running back. Probably. Yeah, he's he's a running back. He's a running back. Yeah, I mean, he should be listed. At, he's a quarter like he takes snaps at quarterback more than. Well, it's else, I believe right? I believe the fantasy thing takes he's like the a wildcat running back. I I believe they're listed the way the teams list them. You know, like the teams send their stuff into uh, the NFL. I I think that's how it works, or how the distinctions or the distinct the the designations are done. And I, I think the Saints list him at tight end. 
Yeah. And sorry, CR, not to pick on you, but saying that they replaced Taysom by signing tight ends is missing the point that Taysom is not a tight. He's not at like Foster Moreau and Juwan it's, Johnson. It's just have a like, fundamental misunderstanding of what Taysom's Hill role is on this team, which is he's not a tight end. He's not a running back. He's not a wide receiver. He's not a quarterback. He literally, he is probably the only guy in the NFL right now that would I would say you can actually give him the designation of offensive weapon. That That's what he is. He's there to play about... 15 snaps a game and to be used in creative ways. That's yeah. It. And I think to say like that, he like his role to snaps are gone because they brought in Jamal Williams and Kendry Miller. Like I think like you got to understand that Dennis Allen has like his Taysom plays like first, like those are, <laughs> those are ahead of whatever and, and Kendry the Taysom Miller's plays, doing. The Taysom plays. I, I mean, again, to, to really drive this point home, the guy who is the offensive coordinator of the Saints is the same guy who's been offensive coordinator forever. Right. It's not, it's not, it's not like Sean Payton left and they hired a brand new staff. Everyone just moved up one rung. Sean Payton left and everyone got a promotion. That's all right. it's 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 not it's Including not a Taysom brand Hill. Yeah. Mid-season, mid-season trade, Russell Wilson's not working out. Sean Payton trades a seventh-round pick for Taysom Mill. Who says no? <laughs> Who says no? <laughs> it's pretty good. The, the thing is, you don't even you don't have to make this case anymore because it's it's you don't need it. But like the out of him starting quarter, games at quarterback is still in, it requires multiple injuries. Yes, but team multiple quarterbacks on teams get injured every year. Like it's it's not impossible that we get to weeks 15 through 17 and Taysom Hill starting a game at quarterback. It's, it's straight up, it's not likely, but that's that's in the range of outcomes too. So um, it's just, yeah, there's a lot it's of it. It's possible. It's, it is possible. Yeah. And if that happens, like you, you will need to have Taysom Hill. Like you'll just need to have him. If Taysom Hill scores 19 points in week 17, what do you think the odds are of him being on the winning team? Like pretty fucking high. Pretty high, although it depends a little bit how. No, but the, I mean, he's such a late round pick; he'll probably be decently owned in the final. Yep. Just, just yeah. by pure randomness. I don't know why I'm still triggered triggered by the chat here, but guys, like Taysom Hill isn't also is not taking snaps at running. He's not in at running. No, I didn't back ignore either. it. I didn't ignore it. Yeah, Andrew we're not Miller, ignoring down rookie and Jamal Williams. Uh, you know, whatever people you know, people watch Jamal Williams guy. score 15 one yard touchdowns last season and lost their minds. Like lost their like Jamal Williams is the like this is Evan Silva's fault. It's Evan Silva's fault for making that bet on Jamal Williams to lead the NFL in touchdowns and getting everyone to sweat along with it. Like. Jamal Williams is fine. He's a perfectly cromulent running back, but they're not they're not throwing out the Taysom Hill plays yeah. because Jamal Williams is on the roster. Exactly. They they have their little Taysom Hill thing and they clearly like doing it. Like the yeah. Kendry Miller and, and Jamal Williams are not changing that. If if Camaro was was there for the full season, like okay, now I'd be a little bit more persuaded. But yeah. yeah. By the way, Evan Silva texted me last night saying that the ship, the goddamn ship chasers, chasers have ruined uh, fantasy football. <laughs> again, again. We got to get Silva on the show and just show him some of these like wide receiver ADPs and just get get him to talk about it. Could be, could be funny. <laughs> See if we can get a, his camera turned on first. <laughs> All right, let's let's round out talking through some of the team stuff. Um, not huge movement here. Um, but again, looking at the double stack average ADPs, I think, again, the thing that stands out to me is like these quarterback, there's a lot of 
ambiguous quarterback situations that like Davis was mentioning, you look at the wide receivers sort of in that fifth, sixth round range, even fourth round. It's just tough. Cause you, yeah, you take Terry McLaurin and you don't feel good about picking a quarterback. You know, you take Chris Godwin, you don't feel good about taking a quarterback. And there's just a lot of those teams, Tennessee, Tampa Bay, Washington, Atlanta, you can throw New England in there if you want. Um, San Francisco is certainly in that mix of uncertain quarterback situations. So yeah, that that's kind of my takeaway is that I want to not be so worried about those teams and just stack them up without the quarterbacks like Pat has mentioned, because I think their prices are probably like a little depressed as a result of that. Um, but yeah, I do. I, I guess what I would say is like for me, I these teams aren't all in the same bucket. Like I think Tampa Bay is going to be a train wreck. I don't think they have any interest in being good. I think that if maybe Godwin or Evans you know, could get traded. That's like your, your best out for them having a good season. I just think it's going to be really gross. Um, Davis, you can push back on this because I'm slandering the hell out of Baker Mayfield right now. But uh, my, like when I How look at Washington. How much worse are they going to be than what they were last year? They were a fucking shitty way team worse. last year. Way worse. It, Baker was so bad last year. That, I honestly think it would be disgusting. But the Washington, there's two outs to good quarterback play there. And you don't have to predict it. You just need the good quarterback play for drafting Dotson and McLaurin. I like both. Um, San Francisco, I mean, we've got two and a half outs. I don't think uh, uh, Darnold counts as a full out, but like there's maybe a little half extra bonus there. He counts. He counts. All right. So then three outs to good quarterback play. And uh, I mean, those guys, I mean, if you're getting any kind of discount because the quarterback's uncertain, like hell yeah. Um, But yeah, I'm kind of more like which of these offenses do I think can be pretty good even if i can't predict who their quarterback is going to be in every single week yeah i think san francisco is probably the best argument for that where the markets still view like look at the super bowl odds uh san francisco i think they're fourth in super bowl odds behind just the eagles bills chiefs right now so unless the market's wrong like they're gonna be good regardless of who's playing quarterback um i mean I wouldn't say with that much certainty, but I think they're very likely to be good uh, regardless of who's playing quarterback. So you're going to want some of those pieces uh, on San Francisco. And yeah, maybe, maybe just wait till I think we'll have more certainty at some point on the quarterback situation. You can wait before you take your guesses um, at quarterback there. Maybe the one exception to that is like, if Lance is named the starter and he's like, they have confidence in him throughout the whole season, he would shoot way up. So like, Maybe there's some argument to getting some Lance now, but I'm I'm not really I'm not. Really yeah, what do you think about that? That this is actually the the one time where I think Lance might make sense now. Like I haven't been in on Lance, but at the, at the 18th round price, like there is a payoff now. It's still yeah. thin though for him to deliver on it, but it could. But he could. What would okay? What would Lance's ADP be if tomorrow Brock Purdy says I have an infection in my surgery? I have to have another surgery to take care of it. They got to do whatever. They got to clean it out. I'm not going to be back until 2024. What is Lance's ADP? I still think like 120. Like I don't think I was going to say. Can of... we meme him? Can we meme him to Anthony Richardson price or or not? I don't think no, we can. I don't, think, I don't so. think we can anymore. I think he's like capped at like one like the Geno range. Honestly, like I kind of don't see him getting ahead of. I'm not saying that's my personal ranking. I'm saying like what I think the market would do. Uh, and that's yeah, I think I think he would be treated somewhat similarly to Fields last year, but then ultimately go ahead of where Fields went last year because the people would just bet on the rushing. So 
Yeah, I, I don't think he would go ahead of Richardson, but I think he would probably end up in the ninety in the high nineties. The thing is, like, I feel like I almost have to tell a story where like somehow Darnold gets traded and Purdy's like arm falls off. Cause like I think that Darnold, well, Darnold thing... if that happened, then I think he's like going where Richardson's going. Yeah, but the, I'm saying Richardson's like 86 now. So like I don't yeah, yeah, I'd agree. Lance well, would be like 99 or something. Yeah, yeah. But I'm saying if only one of those things happen, I don't like I think you need both those quarterbacks to get out of the way for people to have confidence in Lance as a top hundred pick. I think people if if Purdy well, had injuries, confidence in him uh, as a top 100 pick like two months ago for some fucking reason. Yeah, but so, we we, I mean, we bullied we've bullied them since then. They they're not they're not going to be doing that anymore. <laughs> no, I think I think they're coming right back. Uh, they're coming right back if if Purdy if there was no Purdy, he's not he's not available till 2024. I don't think Sam Darnold is keeping much of a cap on his ADP, which uh, makes him. Uh, I think it puts him back in the. You know, in the conversation a little as an 18th rounder, but I guess we're both not, saying I, that I haven't taken him, but he's not going to sh- like. Okay, maybe you're right that he shoots up to like a hunt, pick 100 or pick 90, but like, sure, okay, that's great if you took a bunch of Lance and he shoots up till then, but like, it's not that amazing. I guess is what I'm saying is like it feels to me it still feels like more the payoff is not quite worth the risk because I think it's pretty. I don't know. We've gotten positive news on Purdy so far. I maybe think Darnold's a bigger factor than than you do, Pat, but. I don't know. I don't think the payoffs worth like the the fifty jump in ADP is worth the risk of dead roster spot. One um, issue with with it is that it's a three quarterback build, and so yeah, you got a guy who's going maybe as like a ninth round pick or whatever now, but he's but you wasted probably a tenth round pick on a quarterback you don't need anymore because you got Lance at this great price. So like you know what I mean? Like your payoff isn't as big even as it seems because. You you still are a the three quarterback build and like that could have been a, an awesome running back pick uh, that you don't get to swap out now. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Um, <clears throat> all right, la- last couple questions here, Davis. Do you have um, a stack here that you like that's perhaps uh, undervalued towards the the far right side of the chart? Denver. Denver, Denver to me is like the one team where I'm like, yeah, I can see Russell Wilson returning to being the quarterback eight with competent head coaching, Judy, Sutton, Mims, Dulcich, P. Ryan. They're all the the whole offense is priced other than Judy. Uh, Judy, you could say is like, I mean, what he had 950 yards and six touchdowns last year. Like he he was still kind of decent. Sutton really fell off, but. You could, you could, the, the case is pretty simple, which is just, uh, Hackett is basically Urban Meyer. You know, he's, he's Michael Scott. He just, everything around him grinds to a, a halt because he was so bad at his job. Sean Payton comes in, figures it out, is like, Russ, I know you can still do this, yada, yada. And, and they're the Seahawks again, basically, right? Like, you can, you can see it. I'm not saying it's the most likely scenario, yeah. but you can see it. And I actually, very similar to how the Seahawks ended up being, all these league winners last year because everyone was so cheap because everyone was so convinced they were going to be terrible. And sort of unlike, uh, you know, the Texans, I don't think have any path to being a top 10 offense. The Panthers, no path. Titans, no path. Buccaneers, no path. Washington, no path, right? I, I actually think you can see the path, right, for Denver. Like the offensive line's yeah. pretty good. They sure. have they yeah. have a lot of good offensive linemen. Sean Payton is a very good coach who got really good results out of not only like peak Drew Brees, 
But he also, Sean Payton, adjusted really well when Breeze totally lost his fastball. They were still good on offense when Breeze really could barely still play. What's Russ's buy-in on the playbook stuff? That That's going to matter so much. Because, like, Breeze and Payton were, like, you, you know, on the same exact page as all Sean that. Payton comes in and says, Russ, you fucking embarrassed yourself last year. You were embarrassing. You 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 made this whole big deal. You got your own office. We did everything you wanted, We and you were embarrassing. You embarrassed yourself in front of everyone, and I can save you. If you buy in to me, I can bring you what you want. That's that's what it is. And I don't know if Russ will buy it. I don't know if he is humble enough to do that, but that's the sell. That seems the really pitch. grounded. Um, yeah, I'm going <laughs> to. I'm just a little worried. That was great. That was so good. <laughs> I mean, I'm a little worried that he was calling audibles from Seattle <laughs> to his Denver receivers. Like, this, this seems like a pretty big red flag. I, I am, I am like a little hesitant to go with the rust part of it, but I'm interested in the Denver stuff. Like, I kind of like this is one where I like doing Herbert and bringing Denver stuff back, and I also like stacking up the Chargers Broncos game without either quarterback, especially I have an elite quarterback. And I'm like, like, okay, Russ, like maybe you have a good year, but I don't think you're passing Allen. You know, I'd rather have Allen in week 17 so um or Mahomes or Hertz or Lamar or whatever so I've been I, that's how I've been hesitant to take Russ but I but I I think if Russ has a good year he could have a very good year so I do yeah I, I don't mind it at all I like the bet it does feel a little like you don't need that much the, the bet is pretty simple it's just like Russ isn't horrible anymore like he you know his whole career he's been pretty good they simplify the playbook and I think this is a little anecdotal. I don't have the numbers to back it up, but Russ did get a little bit better towards the end of the last year. I don't think I'm making that up. Like week 17, he had a pretty he had a good, good yeah. He had a good game. No one, no one had him um, who was still alive, but uh, he had a pretty good game. So I, I like the Denver stuff. Um, yeah, yeah. Pat, any teams you want to make a case for here? Uh, I know we've talked through a lot, but. Um, I think I kind of snuck mine in. Um, I guess I'd, yeah. I'd say Green Bay is kind of interesting where, like, I think Jordan Love gives you a little bit of rushing upside. Um, nothing crazy, but, like, just a maybe a, a touch, certainly more than, like, Kenny Pickett. Um, yeah. And that's they're slightly cheaper than the Steelers stack. And you can get uh, – I think Jaden Reed is really nice to tackle on. Christian Watson, I've already taken him a decent amount. Uh, you know, like in that spot, I'm breaking ties towards him just to, for the weekly upside. And then part of it, too, is like I know I can get Jordan Love late if I've gone with an elite quarterback. Love is pretty interesting as like, you know, actually maybe has a little bit of a weekly ceiling. And if even if not, even if he stinks, he's going to start all year. So I got the job security thing locked up. Um, yep. And then, yeah, like Romeo Dobbs is like fine. You know, he strikes me as slightly overpriced, but he will run routes. Uh, and Jaden Reed will also run routes. So, and they've talked up his returning ability why, and everything. Why, like, is the market, why is the market so certain that Jaden Reed is going to beat Dobbs out for those? Well, they're, they're actually not. Dobbs is like 30, not. Picks, 30 picks more expensive or something like that. But doesn't that doesn't that indicate sort of what we were just talking about with Keenan Allen, like the the rookie comes on at the end of the year type thing? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think I, I, 
if the question is, does Reed beat Dubs out? I I think he's the favorite to beat Dubs out by the end of the year. I mean, it's they they picked him what in the early second round, mid second round. Dobbs was the fourth round pick. Dobbs was fine last year, but to me, his rookie year didn't profile as something where he's going to stop a second round rookie from getting on the field. I don't know. I, I just think Dubs' talent is like okay, and the Packers just told us they think Reed's talent is better than Dubs by where they drafted him. So. Um, I think I just favorite, am, favorite for more routes. So if I can give the bull case for Dobbs, who I, I do like, it's week three. Packers already have a whole infirmary room full of injured wide receivers. They're playing against Tampa Bay, who at the time we thought was good. And the Packers opened their drive, the scripted drive they did. Dobbs got four targets on the opening drive and caps it off with a touchdown. And I just remember thinking like, Rodgers hates every young guy he's ever played with. Like he's there's got to just be something impressive he's doing. Now, and he had a, he had another good game the next week, and then basically we never heard from him again because Christian Watson started to break out, and they started doing more two tight end stuff. But I just that that moment of being like, I don't it just and like obviously this is like a weird thing where like when you watch the games you can remember stuff that's actually extraneous and doesn't matter at all. But I just remember being like really impressed by that, and I. I don't know. I, I think I think he's good. I, I just I just think he like kind of was just impressive to me watching him too. I struggle with the day three guys because like to it's such a high bar to clear for them to really become anything to where like right. Dobbs as a day three pick is already a hit. Like if he basically does nothing for the rest of his career, but he like starts if he like stays in the fantasy football player pool for like another season after this, he's like totally. a huge hit. Like that's how little we usually expect. And the fact that they then drafted, they have a they have two other second round picks that he's competing with at the wide receiver position. I just say like kind of the base rate argument against Dobbs just doesn't feel it just doesn't feel very good to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, I agree with that. I mean, so the, the numbers I look at, you look at yards for outrun, yards per game, targets for outrun, that type of stuff. If you if you filter for all rookies that had like at least 200 routes, Dobbs profiles is like a 70th, 75th percentile rookie season, um, which is which is fine, right? But it's not it's not great. Uh, it's it's clearly behind guys like Christian Watson, Wilson, London, Olave. Ob- obviously, like no no one's comparing them uh, Dobbs to those guys, anyways. But yeah, to me, it's just I think I'm with Pat that like it's it's a somewhat promising rookie year, but I'm just concerned that they immediately you know, took another wide receiver in the second round. Um, to the Green Bay point, one thing I wanted to add on is I think Musgrave is actually an interesting 18th round tight end if you have a Green Bay stack. Uh, they took him, pick 42 overall. He's not getting drafted much. There's no tight ends on that roster. They basically took two rookies, Tyler Kraft, I think. Tucker and Kraft. Tucker. That's yeah. what concerns me is that they took, they doubled up. They took two bites of the apple, I think. That's yeah, that's fair. But if you look at their roster, like it's literally like there's nothing. There's some like passing specialist guys, like I think Deguara is still there. Yeah, but, like it's gonna be one of those two guys. And yeah, I don't know. 18th round tight ends, you're not getting guys with like completely locked in role. He's not my favorite 18th tight end in a vacuum. I'm just saying, like in Jordan Love stacks, I think it's a pretty interesting way to you know fill out your onesie positions for for pretty cheap. So I'll add that on for Green Bay. Um, yeah. I think I think both guys are kind of on my watch list right now because they when yeah. they talked about drafting him they were like they both 
are inline regular tight ends. They weren't like Musgrave's going to be in the slot. Like Tucker's going to be in line. They're like, they're essentially like duplicates. Like we, we want a tight end. So we drafted two. So I think like my guess is that we start to hear from the beats, like Musgrave's firmly ahead or Tucker's firmly ahead. And then I'm, I'm taking, I'm taking that guy, but I, I don't want that. I don't want to draft the wrong tight end there. I think I'm, I'm just, playing a little more conservatively than you are maybe yeah that's fair maybe, maybe i should wait i've just a couple i think i've taken them once in a love stack but i see your point there, there's certainly risk there's certainly risk there i don't have to be guessing on that now i could probably i could probably wait a little bit and have more confidence um cool let's uh not, not much to talk about on other team adps um positional stuff i'll hit on quickly we, we had this discussion last week but uh, the same kind of story holds true where if you want to, if you kind of want to look at last year's ADPs and compare them to this year, the basic story is that quarterbacks, quarterback ones are much more expensive than they were last year. Um, they're going at on average around pick 55 this year. Last year it was like pick 65. So the top 12 quarterbacks are like a full round more expensive than last year. The running back ones are cheaper. The running back twos are cheaper. Uh, and the wide receiver ones are more expensive. So I think this is drafters reacting to both, you know, early, you know, heavy wide receiver builds had good advanced rates last year. Um, elite QBs had good advanced rates last year. So drafters are pushing those two groups up and they're pushing down uh, sort of running backs on the other side. Tight ends are pretty close uh, to the cost they were last year. I think, you know, it, it depends how you look at it um Aiden but, had a good chart on this with once you take yeah. out kelsey everyone's falling exactly yeah i would definitely recommend looking at Kel- um hayden's chart it has a little bit more granularity than than this does um but yeah um unless anyone wants to say something here we might as well get into our favorite adp values um Anybody have one prepped and ready to go? Pat, you want to give your favorite ADP sure. value? Sure. So uh, we talked Denver. I'll go Marvin Mims, who I think there's going to be a drum beat. The drum beat's already starting. Uh, Cecil Lammy had a report out saying he thinks that Marvin Mims could be the best best uh, wide receiver I, I, on the Broncos. Corrine, I think we got to. This this is this is uh this is KJ Hamler. I think we need to hey, we need to back we need to back off. Hey, I'm playing a game where uh, <laughs> I want closing line value, and I think we're gonna get closing line value here with Marvin Mims. I mean, I actually don't think he's KJ Hamler. Like his the thing about him is that he, yeah, he's an outside undersized deep threat, but like <laughs> they're um, dude, you know, he's yards literally after the, KJ Hamler. Yards after the catch also is sort of similar to KJ Hamler. But like he's he's supposed to be a guy who gets open, you know. Like that's that's the big thing. That's what Peyton talked about separating him from the pack um, of these other wide receivers in the class. He was a second round pick. They traded up for him. Sean Payton's handpicked wide receiver for this uh, for his first year there. Uh, clearly not like in love with the guys already there. They've already been kind of shopped around. So I think that Marvin Mims will be a pretty big riser throughout the course of this summer. I think I do think you're going to hear like he looks good, he's separating and they they have a plan for this guy. We've already heard that stuff and I think we're going to keep hearing it. It's going to keep getting louder. I mean, his ADP is like 172. 
I mean, I think I think he could be significantly higher. Like I think he could be like, you know, twelfth. 11th 12th round pick by the end of this don't we have to buy well don't we have to buy into either him having the ability to outproduce Cortland Sutton or the Denver offense feeding five skill position players well we've also I mean I've heard from you know listen to the Rotor World podcast and like you know the the, the sentiment on Sutton does not appear overly positive people no, are like no, I think no. he might I, just I, be done yeah yeah I think yeah, the injuries of I think Sutton was really good at one point in his career but it's now, now, what is it like? Year four coming off the ACL tear? Like, I don't know, man. It's it's not looking great for him yeah. to come back to what he used to be, which is kind of. And sad, I, th- I, I think if you're hearing it's Mims, it's Mims from you know the training camp reports, like Sutton. Yeah, I'm kind of. I here's the thing on Denver beat writers. I don't trust them. I don't trust any one of them because they all got they all got the the Alberto Dulcet shit. So. Oh, this is you're just snake bitten Alberto. Oh, did That's... they? Oh, did they? Yes. Or, uh... Yes. Don't you? Don't you dare! Don't you dare! <laughs> this is like this. You're don't don't you gaslight me because they all they all said the, they all said the same shit before preseason, which is Albert's been amazing. He's done everything the coaching staff has wanted him to do. They did the joint practice yeah, with the there. Cowboys, and they all were like Alberto, tight end one, right? And then he plays in the fourth quarter of the third preseason game, and then they all pretended the whole time that they knew that was happening. They they all, to a man, did it. Listen, anyone who watched Nathaniel Hackett <laughs> hug Greg Dulcich and say, "Look at that hair!" Look at are you that hair. are you worried? Are you worried that Sean Payton is not going to have the same affinity for Dulcich as as yes. Hackett? I am. I, yeah. I legit. He's been a follower, and I've I've taken some of them. But I mean, yeah. I think, See, I think I, I never loved Greg Dulcich. I never, I never learn because now I'm jamming Dulcich, right? I, I never, <laughs> I never learn. I never take the right <laughs> lesson away. <sighs> From that, so uh, one, one f- final word on Mims. Uh, like you look at, and this applies to Jaden Reed too, but drafters are so like caught on to the round one, round two wide receivers now that like it's tough to find value. Mims and Reed are the guys where if you just plotted yeah. draft capital versus ADP, they're the two guys that really haven't been priced up much. And I think, I think people are probably going to just hammer them at some point. So Rasheed Rice is is going one twenty nine, and yeah. I think I don't I literally don't think there's a single person in the fantasy industry who had Rice ranked ahead of Mims in their pre draft ranks, and they both were second round picks, like. One there's a 50 spot gap in ADP between these guys. Like it's just not going to hold. So you're saying Russell Wilson is better than Patrick Mahomes? Is that the argument? You're I'm making? saying 50 spots is a hell of a discount. <laughs> a hell of a discount to get on a guy who we who also has good draft capital and we yeah. think is a better pure talent. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I think I think Mims is a pretty good bet for ADP value. Davis, hit us with yours. Who's your favorite favorite ADP value on the board right now? Well, Pat just did a sexy young rookie. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go the exact opposite way. Jeff Wilson Jr. I mean, this is this shit is so obvious, dude. Devin Devin Ashane is the running back thirty five. Like, are we are like, how certain are we that he even gets like a hundred touches as a rookie? You know, like I I think I think he's like a splash player, right? Yeah. He's 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 and and he's a great like for like replacement for Mostert. I I think that's sort of what they see there. But come come like week three, Jeff Wilson Jr. Twelve carries, sixty three yards two catches, eight yards and a touchdown. Like just like pencil that shit in. And the more we get closer to the season and the more people stop wish casting and the more they live in the reality of what's actually going to happen, 
and Jeff Wilson Jr. is going to go from like running back 55 to running back 41. It's, it's just a tale as old as time. Like it's, I'm, I'm Leone right now. I'm the guy, I'm the one being like, I know Austin is fun, but just be realistic. And it's going to be Jeff Wilson Jr. Like it just, it is what it is. Are you taking him over Mostert? No, because you don't even have okay, to. Okay. You, you yeah, can you take both of them. I have so at running back, I have twenty six percent Jeff Wilson Jr., but I have sixteen percent Raheem Mostert. Because I, I think I literally think ADP like it's just backwards. It's just backwards. Like, yeah, I'm I'm taking the other two guys too. I'm taking Mostert and Wilson. Yeah, I like them. I like I like a Shane. I like a Shane just fine, but I don't. I I like I like Damian Harris a lot, and he goes like ten picks later. Yeah. So yeah, I like Harris yeah. too. I mean, we kind of have learned this, like anytime there's an offense that projects to score a ton of points and, and doesn't have like the quarterback goal goal line threat, like Tua's not running in touchdowns and their top running back is going at 110 ADP, just, just like hammer all those guys. Like we, we saw that in years past with the Bucks, where like both Rojo and Fournette were, I don't even think they were this cheap, but they were both really cheap one year. Like just, I hammered both of them. Like, yeah, good off. It's Little just Terry so, and, um, and uh, Moss that one year. Yeah, exactly. And, and neither was this cheap either, but but Singletary was a massive hit. It's just so simple. Like people are, you know, throwing their hands up with uncertainty, but like one of Wilson, Mostert, or Shane, I think Shane's price is fine too. I don't, I don't love him as much as the other two guys, but like one of Wilson or Mostert, I think is scoring a, a good chunk of touchdowns for this team mm-hmm. and multi-touchdown upside this late at running back is, is pretty appealing to me. So Apparently my rankings are pushing everyone to a chain and not the other two. So, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to tweak that. Thank you. But I, yeah, I, I, I don't hate, like, I don't think any of us hate a chain. I think I can talk myself into him too, but um, I'll be, probably I do like him. Yeah. I yeah. do like him, but yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, I'll talk about someone who's a little higher up boards. Again, this game uh, we're going percentage of ADP increase. So someone like this could still be a big value. I'm going with Ramondre, uh, pick 30. I was just listening to uh, Pete's best ball breakfast. I think Ramondre is his highest exposure running back at like 40% or something. I just straight up don't get it with Ramondre. I sort of had a, a parody thread about this over the weekend, but all the cases against him, I think are just like logical fallacy after logical fallacy. Like, who who in the Patriots backfield is going to steal pass catching or goal line work for Ramondre? Like you got to squint really hard to tell yourself that story. And number two, like the Patriots, I don't think project to be this amazing offense, but I think with a real offensive coordinator, you know, we saw this in 2021 when Mac Jones had a offensive coordinator, this team was top 10 in offensive scoring. Uh, the running back scored a bunch of touchdowns. I think it's a team that's going to filter their offense through the running back because they don't really have skilled wide receivers. Ramondre, to me, still projects as having a pretty big receiving role. So, man, I just don't get it. Like, you can start your draft. Like, if you want to start your draft two wide receivers and grab Ramondre, I just think, like, you're you're kind of stealing um, ADP value away from the rest of the room. He's just, you know, I, I think projections will drive him up. He's such an obvious value to me. Uh, but I think, yeah, the anti-Pats bias is maybe where I fail to get ADP value here. I think people maybe just say Belichick running backs and that keeps him low. But um, yeah, I, I don't get it. I, I'll have a ton of them at this price. Yeah, I mean, he's he's an easy click right now. I, I guess I was kind of like amused that um, people, when I, I tweeted out like um, a picture of I had or a, a screenshot of I had, uh, Josh Allen, 
Stefan Diggs and Ramondre is my start. And I got like people pushing back like on Ramondre as like going too high. Yeah. And that that was kind of shocking to me, like because we are in a bubble and we're projecting essentially like what things look like once the bubble gets bigger, you know, once more people come into the space. And I was kind of shocked that like people who aren't drafting a ton right now are like, oof, that's high for Ramondre. I was thinking they'd be like, oh, Ramondre in the third. That seems nice. So, I, think, I mean, yeah, the closing line value is not up to us. You know what I mean? It's up to yeah. other people. So I did I, that. That perception was at least at least made me like kind of double. like I was like, I maybe I need to like double check my assumption that people are going to want Ramondre in the second round. The normies, I mean. Yeah, no, that that's certainly fair. I think I think it's possible they that people don't like Ramondre. Um, the casual players don't like him as much. So I think, yeah, that's it. But if he stays at pick 30, I guess I don't really see him falling. Um, and maybe now we're going outside the scope of our game, but um, I just think he's like a great pick regardless. So I'll probably end up with a ton of him this year if that casual sentiment uh, keeps him down. Like he, he was in the most dysfunctional, like one of the most dysfunctional offenses we've seen last year and still would be. I think if he does what he did last year, it's not like amazing in the third round, but you're not like burned by it completely. And I think there's, there's a lot more upside there. Um, so we'll see. Anyways, um, we'll get out of here. Uh, Pat, uh, what do you have coming up this week for leg up? Yeah. So I've got a, I'm going to be working on some of the stuff that I've talked about. I don't know if I'll have it out this week um, on kind of the next two pieces I'm working on are how to attack the lead quarterback. Um, uh ADP this year and also someone late round picks. But I did have an article last week on elite tight end, which I think is a big edge and laying out the case for that. Um, so check that out on the site. I'll probably put out a tweet thread on that, summarizing some of the findings in the next day or two. Um, underdog credits are still available. You can get a $50 underdog credit by signing up right now. If you go to um, legendaryupside.com slash early, you can get $30 off your first year. Uh, it takes down to $69. If you're on underdog, you can get $50 underdog credit as as well. So pretty awesome time to sign up. You can also get 40% off spike week with code leg up. Um, so this is kind of like the the time to sign up if you're going to do it. Um, limited credits on those on uh, how many underdogs credits I have, and they're going pretty quickly, but there are still some available. Awesome. Bada bing, bada boom. Davis, anything uh, for you with your newsletter, sports grid, anything going up this week? Yeah, Sports Grid Fantasy Football Podcast. We'll have at least one uh, episode out this week. Uh, Jeff Edelstein from uh, from uh, Roto Grinders and Scores and Odds is coming on the Takecast this week. I'm very excited to uh, to chat with him. And uh, I've been working on dynasty rankings uh, because we're in the middle of dynasty season, and I'm trying to make all these trades and everything, and don't really know how I feel relative to the market. So that'll be out on something. They just need to be. If I'm going to do the work, I'm going to publish them somewhere for sure. (laughs) Makes sense. Awesome. Well, we'll here at ADP Chasing, we'll be back next Monday. Uh, Obviously, Ship Chasing coming up this Wednesday. Um, And yeah, I will be on Twitter continuing to alienate my followers with this horrible Week 17 bit. Uh, You can find me there. Anyways, for Pat, (laughs) it's going well so far, yeah. Going for Pat, uh, for Davis, this is ADP Chasing. We'll be back next week.